Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Happy Friday for us. It is 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and it is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We are here today, and we will be here tomorrow, except we'll... Well, we'll be on the air, but we won't be here. We've got what's called a best of show in the business. In the business. Yeah. So you're going to hear from, among others, uh, John O'Leary, Mark McGuire, Billy Wagner. Uh, you're going to hear a, a discussion that we had about the Cardinals, if they needed to trade Jack Flaherty for Nolan Arenado doing that. We've got a lot of fun people coming up tomorrow. Dan Deardorff here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Our friend Chris Long. Yeah. So it doesn't get any better than that. A, a best of. You'll enjoy the entire show. So tomorrow you should tune in, 7 to 10. But today you should stick with us, 7 to 10. We're going to talk to Joey Vitale later in the show, the reigning WNBA Rookie of the Year, Nafisha Collier from Incarnate Word. Looking forward to hearing from her. Plus, coming up at the bottom of this hour, uh, Michelle and I are going to put together fantasy 4th of July meals. It's going to be awesome. We love food here on Carriker and Smallman. Yeah. So why not give it a sports twist? And uh, put a little money on it. We, ha- we have to kind of be a GM here, a GM of food. Yeah, and we, we have to be, the, I, don't, I know you and I know I put a lot of thought into this. Actually, uh, our, our entire show prep was kind of about food. So if the sports lags today, that's why. But you know what? We don't have a lot of hard sports news, and we do have 4th of July around the corner, so we can balance it out. Yeah, The Cardinals are providing us some hard sports news. They'll start working out tomorrow at Bush Stadium. Yesterday, both manager Mike Schilt and John Moselock spoke to the media in the Cardinals' Zoom room, as they call it. The Zoom room. Yeah, welcome to the Zoom room. And we saw... Jordan Hicks last week on Instagram throwing at the ballpark. And I mentioned to Mike, I said, I know you've seen him throwing on Instagram. So what's your plan? It's not overly conservative, but it is. It is. There's some patience involved with the play. And the good news is Jordan has not really had any any substantial setbacks. I'm super proud of the way he's gone about it. He's been very diligent, very uh, consistent, very dedicated. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, rehab's not an easy thing to do, and especially in the settings he's done it. But uh, he's done a great job with it. And, you know, right now he's um, – he had a side yesterday. He's playing catch today, and we've got him mapped out. But I wouldn't – you know, he will not be available to start the season with us on our roster. He still appropriately has his rehab program to take place with, with a lot of batting practice and, and simulated games. So that's definitive. He will not start the season with us. And she went on to say that his situation will not be day-to-day. It'll be week-to-week with Hicks. For a season that's going to last eight weeks, week-to-week is a pretty tough thing. 
Are you surprised that no. he's not? Re- I am not either. I knew that they were going, or I, I felt as if they were going to take it slow with him, that they were going to be extra cautious with him. Because even though we see the videos and we see the progress he's making and we would love to see Jordan Hicks out there as a Cardinals closer ready to go, it's not worth it to risk it if he's not 100% ready to go. And the Cardinals do have options in their bullpen. And I didn't, and I feel stupid about it because I didn't ask Schilty about who the next guy up would be. But as you mentioned before we came on the air, it's probably next guys up rather than next guy up. Probably a closer by committee, right? You would see one of a handful of guys yeah. get that slot. Give Gallegos an opportunity. Give Helsley some opportunities. Uh, the, Andrew Miller has had 34 saves in mm-hmm. a season, so maybe if you get into a situation where you're mixing and matching, Gallegos gets the first two in a ninth. You've got a left-handed hitter coming up, and you bring in a guy like Miller. There are a lot of different things, especially, and Schilt said they probably will start with 16 pitchers and 14 position players. With that many guys in your bullpen, with an 11-man bullpen, you should be able to do a lot of mixing and matching in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. And you feel comfortable with any any of those guys getting the ball in that high leverage situation. That's the amazing thing about what the Cardinals have developed. I would venture to guess that most fan bases can get to pitcher maybe number 13 or 14 if that deep and say, man, I really don't want that guy in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't see a Cardinal guy among those 16 where I say, man, I hate the fact that he's in the game. Now, there was one name that I saw being floated around potentially as a guy who could be put in that closer by committee. And I wanted to float it by you because it kind of piqued my interest. What about Alex Reyes? I'm intrigued. Here's the thing. 60 games in 63, 66 days. He obviously... I wouldn't take the chance of pitching Reyes on back-to-back days. But if he's in that mix of a closer by committee, if you have Gallegos, Helsley, and maybe it's Reyes every third day, yeah, absolutely, I think that's a possibility. And she did note yesterday that... Right now, he believes that Wainwright and Flaherty are ready to go four innings. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're ready to go five on opening day, which kind of negates my idea of having a three-inning pitcher, a three-inning pitcher, and then the rest of the bullpen to finish off the last three innings. If you can go four or five out of your starters on opening day, just even going from nine outs to 12 outs out of your starting pitcher on opening day, it's a huge difference. It is a huge difference. With Alex Ray specifically, though, everybody talks about how those last three outs are completely different beasts. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy, even though he's dealt with a lot, you know he's mentally tough, you're not entirely sure about his command. I just don't know if I would want to put him in that very intense situation right point. off the bat. That's a great point. And so you never know until you know exactly. with a guy and you're trying to get the 27th out. Two parts to that. Number one, you want to be careful with him from a psyche standpoint. Exactly. And you don't want him to come in overthrowing and messing up his arm. But the other part is, since you don't know... Do you want to take a chance on a single game where you say, well, he's never done it before. I'll try. You can do that in game three of a 162-game season and not worry about it. Can you do it in game three of a 60-game season and not worry about it? Probably not. And I would rather put use him in other situations, mm-hmm. build up his confidence, see actually what he's got versus live batters. And then if he is lights out, he looks amazing, and we need him in that role. The Cardinals need to use him in that role, then have that discussion. But and I wouldn't throw him into the fire like I, that. I agree with you there. And the Cardinals will not use a piggyback situation that they'll tell us about. They might have a situation where Miles Michaelis is going to start in the fourth game of the season, and Henesis Cabrera is going to be the next pitcher after him, and they know that, but they are going. But if Michael Willis goes 
five innings and throws 52 pitches. And they say, okay, well, we'll throw him out there for the sixth. Then all of a sudden you're close to the seventh, and you can hold Cabrera back to give you three innings tomorrow and use that that three-inning group of guys to get you to the, the finish line. Tactical decisions are always important, but more so than ever this season. And I think that's going to be part of the fun is watching how managers are able to put these things together and and not really knowing what they're going to do and be able to break down their their choices. I think that the 60 games is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of different reasons. It's been really interesting to talk to John Mozeliak over the last couple of weeks because the manager is worried about what's going to happen on the field. And the general manager, the Pobo, is worried about just getting to the games. Both Mike Schilt and I will meet with the players and just reinforce what their responsibility is to to this to this team and, and to their peers because look, it's we can only do so much in terms of, of controlling the environment here at Bush. But to your point, when you leave here, that's that's on you. And and if if we want this season to happen, and it's not just the St. Louis Cardinals, it's all 29 other organizations, we're all going to have to understand this is a, this is different than, than normal. I'm glad to hear John Mozalek say that. I'm glad to hear that that's the messaging that's being spoken about throughout the Cardinals organization. And I hope the players are listening, and I hope that they're taking it as seriously as it seems like John Mozalek is. And I have no reason to believe that this group of Cardinals players will not take it this seriously and that they will not think about leaving safe anytime they leave Bush Stadium. Because, you know, as Mo said, when they walk in those doors at Bush Stadium, they know that everything around them is being protected and that everything is up to protocol, etc. But they don't know that when they go out to the grocery store in St. Louis or if they go to, to hang out with friends. They don't know what sort of factors they're putting into their environment. So I really hope that that messaging stays consistent throughout this entire thing and that we don't see any instances where Cardinals are getting a little lax. And fortunately, I believe for them, we're going to have a rule in place tomorrow in the area in St. Louis City and St. Louis County that you have to wear a mask. Players will be informed of that rule. I hope that becomes their habit, whether they're in Chicago or whether they're in Milwaukee, that if they're going to leave their residence or the place where they're putting their head on the pillow, that they wear a mask for the protection of others, especially the protection of the people that they're out with. They generally aren't going to go out alone, but the protection of themselves too. try to protect the people around you by wearing a mask. I think that's just a smart thing to do for all of us, but particularly players where... Hey, this is all about me. I want to see baseball. So don't mess things up for me, Cardinal players. And this is an unfair aspect of what it's like to be a professional athlete. But I think Mo and company need to really hammer this point home now more than ever. Everyone has a cell phone. Everyone is a reporter. If you're going out there and you're not being smart, chances are someone is going to photograph you or record it. And it's going to be uploaded onto Twitter or Instagram. And then everyone's going to say, ex-cardinal was out without a mask ex-cardinal was out at this party and like i said it's unfair i think it's it's a really tough part of being a professional athlete but think about it now more than ever if someone on this team tests positive or if there's an outbreak of covid on this team and then all of a sudden a picture emerges of you being the player that's out not taking this seriously you don't want to be the person that does that to your team or your organization and the manager agrees with michelle a hundred percent well, I think our, our players will handle it very well. I think um, part of that's just the individual leadership that they have amongst themselves to have a responsibility that's beyond them. And I, I, I do believe sincerely that our group um, will has that. 
you know, beyond messaging of that, I do feel like, and I've spoken to some opinion leaders in our clubhouse that that they will they will be urging of their teammates and and to make sure that they're following protocols and to look at the big picture of it. And then clearly, I'll have a responsibility to to uh, message that as well and encourage that as well. And you know that that has already taken place to some degree, and it'll take place. You know, we'll have a brief team meeting on Friday, and clearly that'll be a subject about what that looks like and responsibility to the greater good um, as we move forward. Michelle, do you remember when DeMarco would talk to us about picking out a helmet and he didn't care about the safety of the helmet? He wanted to pick out the coolest looking helmet. The important thing here is for the Cardinals to provide the players with a huge selection so that they can pick out masks that they think look cool. There's a lot of guys on this team that take their fashion seriously. Mm -hmm. And you're right, that's the key. Make it an accessory. You know, make it designer, make it have a great Cardinal logo on it, whatever it is that makes you want to wear it because it's part of your outfit. I've got my blues mask with me today. It's very cool. I've got multiple blues masks. I've got the one with a lot of little blue notes on it. But I think the coolest one I've seen is one with the Rolling Stones logo with the tongue literally coming out. That's awesome. That's a pretty good one. Do you Have you seen a fashion mask that you think is the best one you've seen? Not really. I'm trying to think of any of my friends. Most of my friends have the same one. We have the Arch Apparel one. Yeah, which that is has very cool. The St. Louis logo on it. But I the like St. Louis flag one is really cool. That is really cool. I need to actually do some mass shopping and get some new ones mm-hmm. because I'm, I, I have several of these Arch Apparel ones, but I feel like I'm washing them all the time, like nonstop. And they're gray, they're black, so they're neutral. They go with any outfit, really. But yeah. now that the masks are mandatory again, and we're uh, going to be wearing them ever, anywhere and everywhere, and you need to, you need to diversify. You need to shake it up. Yeah, and that's what the industry has done. They've put a lot of them out there for us. I want to give you one other note, and this is about the KBO. They're playing today. Their first game was on May 5th, so they're virtually two months in. They played about 60 games, closing in on 60 games. The Korean Baseball Organization in South Korea. They've been playing without fans. And the rule that they put in place when they started on May 5th was if they have one positive test in the league, eight teams, that they would shut the thing down. There has not been a positive test in the KBO. Not one. Not one. But also, I would just think in general, their country's been taking this a little more seriously than our country has. They, they have a credit to the, the way they've handled it in their country, but also it's got to be a credit to the responsibility of the players that are involved, too, because they aren't getting into situations where they're going to contract the virus. So from both standpoints, from mm-hmm. the public standpoint, the country has done very well, and obviously the players have done very well in in getting tested on a regular basis, but not testing positives. And they're, they were going to bring back fans tomorrow. Now it's looking like next Tuesday or Friday to bring back fans in the KBO too. Pretty amazing. But I think Major League Baseball or the NBA, any of these organizations that are, or leagues that are getting ready to fire back up should look at this as the example. Hey, this can be done in a safe manner. You just have to very much follow the rules. Next up here with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, Forbes has listed their most loyal baseball fans. 
You're not going to be happy. That's next on 101 ESPN. Support for Character and Smallman is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, we know we've all heard stories about a funny or painful manscaping situation, but that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created and they just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 this third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to manscapes advanced skin safe technology and when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery is going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave the water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower and one of the coolest features the led light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming they've also upgraded to a 7000 rpm motor with quiet stroke technology and let's not forget about the charging stand show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb now if you're listening to me speak right now, I actually want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. And here's how you're going to do it. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS, that's S-M-A-L-L-S, at manscaped.com. One more time, 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS at manscaped.com. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm a big fan of Forbes magazine. They do a lot of cool things mm-hmm. and uh, they, they rank a lot of things. And obviously, they're in the business of causing discussion. They want us to talk about them. So people will go to Forbes.com. And so we have to take what they say sometimes with a grain of salt. That being said, I believe that when, for example, the Rams lawsuit comes up, the team valuation offered by Forbes magazine is going to be what they cite as uh, they go through the process of trying to determine how much money they're going to get. But getting back to baseball, Forbes has put together a list of the most loyal fans in Major League Baseball. And their metrics include local television ratings, uh Stadium attendance based on capacity reached, secondary ticket demand, merchandise sales, social media reach, uh, and uh, the number of Twitter and Facebook followers based on the team's metro area. I think you need a little bit more respect for the gram there, Mm -hmm. uh, Forbes. Thank you. And uh, hometown crowd reach defined by Nielsen as a percentage of the area population that watched, attended, and or listened to a game. So that's their methodology. And they have... Michelle, as the Boston Red Sox fans, as the most loyal in all of baseball. And I don't really have a problem with that. They show up. They've shown up when the team was bad. They show up when the team is good. Uh, They watch their games, their team's games on TV. They're loyal in terms of showing up and putting their literally money where their mouth is. True. But also, don't they hate watch them? They do. Yeah, but they finished last a few times, too. The Cardinals don't finish last. And to the Red Sox fans' credit, since they beat the Cardinals in 2004, I believe they finished last in their division three times. Cardinals haven't finished last in their division since 1918. 
1918. Yeah, a division or league. So we really don't get much of an opportunity to hate watch our team. No. And the things that we do hate watch are minuscule in comparison to a lot of other right. yeah. franchises. We have, relatively speaking, from a baseball perspective, first world problems. Big time. As, as Cardinal fans. Now, here's one that struck me. Is that they think at Forbes that Cubs fans are the second most loyal fans in all of baseball. Randy, you shouldn't have said that as I was sipping <laughs> my coffee. I almost spit it out. Now, the Chicago Cubs... Now you know you have a lot of friends that are Cubs fans. Yep. If you went to school with them, you know them. You have you have a lot of friends that live in Chicago. The floor is yours. So, um, first of all, thinking about these metrics, Randy, don't you think it's unfair to talk about reach when you're when you're comparing markets? Chicago is a much bigger market yep. than St. Louis. So, while per capita more people might be talking on social media about the Cubs, you would expect that to happen because it's a bigger market. Okay. Number two, I have a lot of friends who are, air quotes, Cubs fans. And let me tell you, when I was in college, they didn't care about the Cubs at all. Couldn't name maybe three players on the team type Cubs. They would say, oh, Sammy Sosa, is he still there? That was their answer. They did not care about the Cubs until they were winning. Mm -hmm. Going to Wrigley was a social event. It was, oh, yeah, let's get some really cheap tickets and we'll sit in the outfield and we'll drink in old style and it'll be a fun thing that we do today. It was never... I'm watching the standings. I care about this team. I'm going to live and die by every game. So there's nothing wrong with that, but you're not really a Cubs fan as much as you were a Wrigley Field fan. As much as you were a drinking fan, and that's okay. It is. And one other note, if this total list is put together on a five-year scale from 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, I can buy this. Because they have become loyal. They've been hardcore, lifelong fans since 2016. See, and I'm going to counter that argument because I also have a lot of Cubs fans who, after they won, the chase was gone. The hope was gone. And while they still tuned in, they weren't as locked in because the desperation factor was not there. I have friends who are are Cubs fans who pay more attention to the Bears and pay more attention to the Blackhawks and other teams in Chicago than they do the Cubs because they they have gotten the white whale the the big thing that they were longing after for their entire lives is gone and when you think about the state of the cubs right now they're they're not in rebuild mode but they're in reboot mode and so there's a lot of uh discontent in cubs nation what's going on with the franchise yes they brought in david ross but what are they going to do they're going to blow up the team is chris bryant going to be here they aren't as in love with the franchise as they were say a few years ago and i i have a couple of friend friends that are Real legitimate hardcore Cub fans. I'm not saying there are none, but I'm just saying that I don't think that they rise to the level of having the second most. The Cardinals are listed at number three. Best TV ratings in baseball. Highest attendance in baseball. And what they're saying at Forbes, the reason that they're number three, there are signs of problems in Redbird Nation because they didn't sell out a playoff game last year. Game uh, four of the NLDS against the Braves, which was like noon on a Monday or something like that. And granted, they didn't sell it out. But if that's going to be the metric that causes you to fall below the Cubs, I think you're really reaching at that point. I would say, I will say, though, I was surprised that that they didn't sell out that game. But 
I don't think that that reflects the loyalty of Cardinal fans when they they sell they sell out three point four million. They didn't make the playoffs three years in a row, so yes, the game should have been sold out. But they still sold three point four million every year. They still every single night during the summer have the highest TV ratings in town, and obviously the merchandise, the national reach is pretty substantial. And we are kind of being whiny here to saying, oh, the Cardinals are only number three, mm-hmm. but the. The thing is, the Cardinals are behind the Cubs, and I don't think that that's legit. As a matter of fact, I if I'm in New York and the Yankees are listed at number four, I'm saying the exact same thing. So the Yankees are behind the Cubs. And the Red Sox. Yeah. Yankee fans are pretty darn loyal. They are. And, here's, and by the way, they're always good, too. Yes, correct. I was surprised during the NL. I had friends who live across the country that were texting me during the NLDS ribbing me, saying... Even the NLCS, too, saying, wow, I'm turning on the TV and I'm seeing some empty seats at Bush Stadium. That happened in the CS, remember, the rainy night? I do. And my response was, the offense is terrible. They're probably going to lose this game. And it is freezing outside. I I was like, I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying this is probably some of these are probably some of the factors that contributed to this. And I was surprised because I remember in 2011, it was freezing during the World Series and people were there the entire playoff run. But there was that that hope factor where that was a fun team to watch. The NLCS was miserable. I mean, the bats were quiet. It was painful to watch. It was uncle. Can we just have this be over with? But here's my barometer for a loyal fan base. Sports Talk Radio. In Chicago, can you talk Cubs from sunup to sundown on Sports Talk Radio and have people be engaged and tuned in? Probably not. And to take it a step further, in Chicago on Christmas Day, could you talk Cubs baseball sunup to sundown? Just like you said, you can do that here in St. Louis. You cannot do that in most cities. Now, part of that is we don't have an NFL team. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is that that is what it is. And you can do that in St. Louis. Even when we did have an NFL team, right. we would get metrics all the oh. time about what to talk about. And it was like, you cannot go wrong talking Cardinal baseball. The appetite for Cardinal baseball is insatiable in this town. Here are the rest of the list. The Cardinals three, Yankees four, Dodgers five. And I think the Dodgers might be a little bit low. I think that because of their market size, they're kind of underrated. And we always see the bunch of the worst thing they ever did at Dodger Stadium was put in all those yellow seats mm-hmm. because if they don't sell tickets, they're so obvious. But they still, it's the Cardinals and the Dodgers for the top attendance in Major League Baseball uh, every single year. And the Dodgers also, for a list like this, two thirds of the community can't see the Dodgers because until this year, until 2020, they hadn't had an agreement with their new, they own a TV network that hadn't been on. Uh, DirecTV and hadn't been on the other cable outlets. It was only on Spectrum in L.A. That's not really a fair barometer, is it? No, and do you also think the Dodgers might have gotten knocked down a few pegs because the fans aren't there until the third inning? Yeah, that hurts them, too. Milwaukee is sixth, credit to them, Mm -hmm. and they tailgate before their games. Giants are seven, and there's an example of kind of a bandwagon group and they're great man. They sold out like 500 or 600 consecutive games between 2009 and the end of their World Series run, but things have fallen off a little bit in San Francisco because the team has been abysmal the last couple of years. Then you've got Cleveland, which makes no sense at all. Cleveland can't draw even when... You talk about the Cardinals not being able to draw to one game. Cleveland can't draw when they're winning 102 games. Cleveland didn't sell out when they were in the midst of a 22-game winning streak a couple of years ago. Yikes. It's it's unbelievable. And then Atlanta 10, and if, if you want to give Atlanta, sure, that's fine. 
Philly, Philly nine, Atlanta ten. So, I, I, homage uh, to uh, our our friend uh, Jen Langa. She was from Atlanta and is a diehard, diehard Atlanta sports fan. Uh, but uh, I, I still can't get out of my mind in 2000 when the Cardinals fans went down there and took over their stadium mm-hmm. in the playoffs. In the playoffs, you had 15,000 Cardinal fans there that drove down to to take over. So I still can't get that out of my head, but it was kind of a Cardinal home game. So there you have it, the most loyal fans in baseball. Next up, Fourth of July weekend is upon us, and Michelle and I are going to put together our fantasy Fourth of July meals next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We know that you're always tuning in at different times. We did get a text asking what the most loyal fan base was, according to Forbes. They listed the Red Sox fans in Boston as the most loyal in sports. And, uh, and you can make that argument if you want. If All you right. want. Yeah, we really don't want to. All right, we've got it up on the socials at 101 ESPN via the gram, or if you want to go to Twitter, our 4th of July squares game. And by the way, you can follow Michelle on Twitter and Instagram at msmallman. I'm on Twitter at uh, Randy Carricker, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and on the uh, the Insta at uh, RJ Carricker. So you can follow us there. We promote the show. We do a lot of fun stuff there. Also, I'm going to be taking a photo of Randy in the break and uploading it to my Instagram story. Oh. He's wearing a very beautiful patriotic polo today that everyone needs to see, so check that out. Okay, sounds good. So we're going to pick our 4th of July meals, and here's the way it's going to work. We've got $5 uh on uh, dishes, we've got four, three, two, and one. So our $5 dishes are, uh, and I'll give the fives, Michelle, you give the fours, and okay. we'll go on from there. Perfect. $5 dishes are chips and dip, baked beans, ribs, and beer. Those are your $5 dishes. Good selections there. Your $4 dishes, watermelon, potato salad, steak, and cocktails, mm. which is a very broad group. It really is. Your $3 dishes, deviled eggs. Deviled eggs, uh, corn on the cob, <laughs> hamburgers, and wine, Michelle, is a $3 entry. Yeah, you got my interest there, Randy. $2 dishes, salad, pasta salad, hot dogs and lemonade. Mm, interesting. And then for a dollar, you can do a veggie platter, you can do coleslaw, you can do pork steaks, you can do soda. And we throw an ice cream in there because it wasn't on the original list, and I think it's important for the 4th of July. And it's a dollar. It's $1. Okay, yeah. got it. All right, Michelle, you call. I'll flip. Here we go. Heads. And and it is heads. So you have the first choice here. And we both have $15 to spend for our meal here. So you get to go first. Randy, I am not messing around here with my first slush. Number one overall draft pick. I'm going ribs at $5. I love that call. How are you going to have a 4th of July barbecue and not have any ribs? Yeah, that's a, that's a great call for you. And I, I'm pleased that you did that. Because I'm going steaks at $4. Okay. Uh, I am a, uh, as you know, a big steak guy. And I, I really think steaks are a value pick. I, I would have been happy to get steaks at 4 or at 5, and wow. I got them at 4. All right. Okay, you're up. So I'm going to go necessities. <laughs> and then I'm going to fill out the rest of my menu okay, accordingly. Okay. So I've got ribs. I need something to wash it down. I'm also having a $5 selection with beer here. Wow. I thought you were going to go wine here. N- not at a barbecue, Randy. Okay. You know, maybe if we're, uh, you know, on a porch at nighttime. Right. But 
barbecue, you've got to go ribs, you've got to go beer. I know I've spent okay. 10 bucks early, but these are two necessities. These are things that you need. It's my quarterback and my left tackle. Okay. You have left me so many options here because you've already spent $10. I know, I really did. So I, I'm going to wait, though, and... I'm I'm gonna go pasta salad at oh, two bucks man. because I w- was worried about you taking it. I was going to. Uh, so you really just disrupted my flow here. And see, I was thinking potato salad at four. You, potato salad is not worth two dollars more than pasta salad, no is way. it? No. So you have the next pick. I'm glad I did that. Take it or leave it. Potato salad. Potato salad is overrated. I'll take it. Yeah. I, don't hate it, but don't love it. Give me a choice between pasta and potato salad, and it's pasta salad every day. So I will tell you this. Straub's has a sour cream potato salad that is the best potato salad I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. That I would pay four bucks for. But any other potato salad, I'm passing. Interesting. It's very fluffy and light. Okay. It's very good. Good hot, to know. Hot tip for all you people putting together a 4th of July barbecue. <laughs> all right. You're up. So if you have taken it, I also cannot take it, correct? It's That's off correct. the board. Yeah. All right. Well, then again, I am not going to mess around here, and I'm going to go corn on the cob, $3. Ooh, you've spent $13 already, so you've got a couple of $1 selections left. I know, So, and I don't really know what I'm going to do there. But again, I'm talking necessities. I'm also, Randy, thinking about where we are in America right now. Mm-hmm. Normally, I would be eyeing chips and dip at five, but do we really want to be all dipping into the same bowl right That's now? That's a great thought. You know, ribs, you can break apart. Corn on the cob, you get your individual corn. Beer, you get, you know, unlimited beer. You get whatever you want there. I'm trying to keep my guests protected. Here's what I'm going to do. Simply because of where you are, you're kind of boxed into a corner here. I am. And I've got pork steaks at a buck. Even though I have regular steaks, I'm taking pork steaks in St. Louis at a dollar. Meat heavy, Randy. Bold choice. Yeah, a lot of protein here. A lot of protein But I think here in St. Louis, I'm going to have a very popular barbecue. All right, so you're up with uh, a couple of $1 choices. Well, Randy, we need an appetizer. I'm going veggie platter at one. Veggie platter is a great call and very worthwhile at a buck. Okay. Balance out my ribs and my beer. Get a little greens and feel good about yourself. Nicely done. Okay, so I have spent five, six. I've only spent $7. So I can go. I'm going to go chips and dip, and I'm going to give everybody their own individual little bowls of dip. Smart. That's the play. And so what we're going to do is, before everybody eats, the chips and dip are going to be available. That's a $5 expenditure, and I still have $3 left. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. It's way over spending for chips and dip, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm okay. Have, I'll, I'll have money left over here. Do I only get 5 or do I get to spend my entire 15 You have to spend your entire 15 Okay, good. All right, so I have my main and ribs. Mm-hmm. I have a side and corn on the cob. I have beer, which mm-hmm. is really all I need for yeah, a good really barbecue. Good, yeah. I have my appetizer and a veggie platter. I'm going to round it out and really make the meal itself a whole, and I'm going to get coleslaw at $1. Ooh, I like that. So we've got two sides. We've got an appetizer. We've got two sides, a main, and beer. And we've got tunes on the speaker. Come on over to my barbecue. Okay, good. So I just have to work my way up to $15, and I've spent four, five, six, seven. I've spent 12 so I have $3 left. And I get my $1 ice cream, which I think is very important. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And I'm going to take my $1 soda. Ooh, or Carbonation. You know what I'm going to do? Rather than the soda, then. It is a barbecue. It is the summer. 
and uh, I've got people driving. So I'm going to go with the $2 lemonade. That's a good pick right there. Uh, so here's what I, and I like the balance of your meal. I've got two different entrees. I've got the pork steak. Well, I'm going to start chips and dip for when you arrive, okay? Okay, okay. You can choose between pork steak or regular steak. Uh, we've got pasta salad, and then we've got ice cream for dessert and lemonade to drink. Michelle has ribs. This is classic. This is, she She's all American here. I really am. Ribs, corn, a veggie platter, coleslaw, and beer. That is such a 4th of July barbecue. The initial play, Randy, was instead of veggies and coleslaw to take pasta salad. Mm-hmm. I was going to have ribs, beer, corn on the cob, pasta salad. That's all you need. It really is. Come on over. We are grilling. You took pasta salad. Here's the one thing, and it really wasn't available to us, and we should have put it down on the $1, but if we have people that don't eat uh, pork or beef, we didn't have any poultry or fish on there. Well, I have veggies, so yeah, that's yeah. If somebody can just partake of that veggie platter and enjoy it immensely. So yeah. that's a good call. So we'll put these up and we'll d- let you decide who has the better Fourth of July barbecue menu between Michelle and I. I don't know, Randy. I think with ribs and beer, I beat you. I have steak though. Uh, the Steaks? beer among our listenership, the beer is going to probably be the difference maker. But steak, pasta salad, chips and dips, dip to start. Pretty impressive. I don't know, Randy. You just think about all that empty time while the ribs are being cooked. We've got people maybe in an inflatable pool in the backyard. The tunes are going. You need some beer. You got to have some beer to fill that gap. Yeah, and and that was a great $5 expenditure on your part. Because even if I'm not drinking the beer because I'm cooking, you've got to think about your guests. Right. What do they want? Yeah, you you did a good job by taking the beer. And I was kind of surprised that I could have taken the wine. But I decided to go with ice cream and for dessert instead. I am as big of a wine girl as anybody out there. But on a 4th of July barbecue? Well, if it's all that's available, if it's if you're alcoholic, or you could have gone cocktails for $4, I guess. Could have done that. It just doesn't exact. seem like the pairing is there. No, beer is 4th of July, isn't no, it? I want a Bud Light. I want a Summer Shandy. I, I want one of those Grapefruit Rattlers. <laughs> I just give, give me something that screams summer. And to me... Uh, you know, a crisp Sauvignon Blanc is not going to get it done at my 4th of July barbecue. That's for sure. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli, coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time for Tioli, and we welcome your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle and Randy with you, and with your Tiolis for us, here is Tanner. Tanner, what do you got? So we just drafted our barbecue, and normally on the 4th of July, you're making your barbecue. You probably got Cardinals baseball on. Well, we don't have that this year. But some places are going to be, maybe Fox Sports Midwest, don't know yet, but maybe they're going to air a classic baseball game. Take it or leave it for your barbecue. You're going to have a classic baseball game on. Yeah, I'll take that, especially if they can give us a classic 4th of July. I'd love to see the 1985 Cardinals-Dodgers game, 4th of July at Bush Stadium. Right before the fireworks down at uh, what was then the VP Fair. It was a great game. 
There have been some great Fourth of July games for the Cardinals, so I would love to see that. Yeah, I'll take it. It's we're, we're celebrating America. Baseball is mm-hmm. part of that here in St. Louis, so why not? Yeah, throw it on the TV or on the radio. Listen to a classic Cardinals game. There used to be uh, back in the day, Chevrolet had a commercial, a radio commercial. It was baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, and that's really what it is. It's a, that's Americana: baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Except now it's more like NFL. Yeah, I don't know what else we would substitute it for, but apple pie is still there, though. You think so? That's kind of Americana. Has anything substituted apple pie as the American dessert? The, the quote-unquote quintessential American dessert? I think there is probably not more American. There's probably a new favorite, I would think, like chocolate chip cookies or something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they're classic American. I think a- apple pie is... Uh, apple pie is grandma and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think we stick with apple pie. Pretty amazing that baseball's been usurped by the NFL, but mm-hmm. apple pie is still holding strong. It really is. Respect apple pie. I like apple and I like to. I like apple pie, and I like to make apple pie. Me too. From the 314, potato casserole, take it or leave it, potato casserole is an underrated side barbecue dish. Can't say that I've ever had it for a barbecue, and I'm not a huge fan. Now, a hash brown casserole, but I'm probably not going to do that on the 4th of July. But like a gratin potatoes Mm -hmm. for that sort of a casserole, that's not my style. I'm totally taking it. Potato casserole. I'm talking the one with the cornflakes on top. Uh Uh-huh. That's good. You know exactly what I'm talking about. A little scoop of that on your plate. Outstanding. Yeah, Yeah, cheesy, cheesy potato casserole. Yeah, cheesy potatoes, a little cornflakes on top. It's... It's actually surprising that wasn't on this list because I feel like that is really... You know what else I was surprised wasn't on this list? Was um, the... It's not... I don't even know how to describe it. It's not coleslaw, but it's got ramen noodles in it. It's that crunchy side salad that's kind of sweet and it has ramen noodles in it. I don't know that I've ever had this. Oh my gosh. I have to look it up. And I'm not much of a... When it's 100 degrees outside, I'm not much of a hot dish no, it's Certainly. cold. I know, but I'm talking about like the potato casserole. Oh, got it. Okay, it's called ramen noodle salad. Crunchy oh. ramen noodle salad. You've okay. never had this before? I don't believe I have. Wow. I'm Okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to bring it in. Okay. It is so good. It's addicting. It's so good. I like addicting foods. I'm sure people have had the 65780. Back me up on this one to tell Randy how good the ramen noodle salad is. So yesterday it was leaked, and according to sources, the Cardinals will replace the, I think it was the New York Yankees, if I'm not mistaken, to play in the Field of Dreams game in Iowa against the Chicago White Sox. Take it or leave it, Field of Dreams is the best baseball movie of all time. Oh, leave it. Easy. Yeah, easy leave. Major leave. I don't even know if it makes my top five. The Natural is number one. Major League is certainly in my top five. Bull Durham is in my top five. I'm more of a I, th- I think I would go with funnier movies. Um, Field of Dreams, probably top ten, but I, I don't think I'm going to put it in my top five. I think if you say Major League is the greatest baseball movie of all time, no one's going to really give you that much that much pushback. No. Uh, everybody loves Major League, but... I, and I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm denigrating the quality of Field of Dreams, because... It was really good. It's just not among my favorites. There is some great stuff. There, There is some great stuff in there, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
It is uh, the American sport, Ray, or something like that. The speech. Thing. Oh, we're getting a ton of text. Duh. Best baseball movie of all time, The Sandlot. Again, I will put... Whoa, uh-oh. Whoa, tread lightly. I don't think I can make it... I don't think I can say that it's the best baseball movie of all time. If, if you gave me the choice, and I could only watch one for the rest of my life, I would take both the Natural and Major League ahead of Sandlot. Wow. I would. I think maybe you need to revisit the Sandlot. It is great. I know the Sandlot is great. I'm not a huge little kids movies fan. But there's there's adults in the movie, too. They They start out as adults, and then they flash back to their childhood. Brandon the Jet Rodriguez, huge, huge play for the Dodgers. Smalls is the broadcaster. He's doing the play-by-play. I know. So. By the way, Major League Baseball itself has Field of Dreams at number four. Eight Men Out was really good. Uh, they've they've got, at MLB.com, they've got the natural ahead of the Sandlot. They've got the Sandlot at number eight. At number eight. Where's the League of Their Own? Because that's another one League I League of love. Their Own for theirs is number two. Really, really good. Yeah, they've got Bull Durham one. A League of Their Own 2, Pride of the Yankees 3, Field of Dreams 4, and 8 Men Out 5, then Moneyball, which I, yeah. Uh, the Natural, The Sandlot, Everybody Wants Some, and Major League for them is at number 10, which is ridiculous. I think. Take it or leave it. A League of Their Own is the best thing Madonna ever did. She was great in that movie. I think I might take that. She was underrated great in that movie. Yeah. All the way, man. She May. really was. Rosie yeah. O'Donnell, too. I'm so depressed I could eat a cow. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the, and Madonna did some great musical things during the course of her career, but that baseball movie might be the best thing. I mean, she was great as Evita, too, but... Yeah. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, you didn't think I could sing like Madonna. Oh, my gosh. I can't breathe. <laughs> Randy, your voice sounds like a mix of Fergie and Jesus. It's amazing. <laughs> so earlier in the week, we saw Cam Newton sign with the New England Patriots, and it got me thinking, I felt like there was another big name out there in NFL free agency. Well, there is still. It's the defensive end, Jadavion Clowney. Take it or leave it, he will sign with New England, too. Leave it. As Coach Belichick says, the most important ability is availability. And Clowney has just been too hurt during his career to be a logical Patriot. I think he goes back to Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I think he goes back to Seattle. I can't stop laughing thinking of you singing like Madonna. That really, really got me. (laughs) Is there any other Madonna song you want to sing, Randy? Did Uh, you have a favorite Madonna song? um, Is it Borderline? No, it's not. Is it Papa Don't Preach? I like that song, but no, it's... um, Material Girl? Material Girl is really good. As we are living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Um, What is it? I I would probably go with that. It's not Papa Don't Preach. Vogue? No, it's not Vogue. Holiday? Holiday. She's got some some bangers. Hey, she, for a decade, she was like the biggest star in all the music. I know there's one that... Hold on. Let me look at Madonna songs. I know this is cheating, but I do have Google in front of me, so I might as well use it, right? Great song. Uh, hmm. Well, she's got like a prayer. Crazy for you. Express Yourself is really good. Very good. I'd probably go with that. 
Borderline, I think, was her first big hit in 1983. And that was good, too. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. How about yours? Mm, I think the classic Madonna song is Like a Virgin. Uh-huh. In my mind. For the very first time, yeah. Like a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gonna dress you up in my love. Gonna dress you up in my love. All over, all over. I might go with that. Yeah, that's a great song. From my head down to my toe. Well, yeah, I might go with that. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy Ford. Tanner or Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Michelle's still laughing. I didn't take you for a big Madonna guy, Randy. Oh, yeah, big time. Big time Madonna guy. Yeah. Bernie Federico joins us next in the Blues Booth on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. The Blues Booth is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. When it's time for new flooring in your home, real wood provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk has great floors for every home. Visit our three area showrooms and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Yesterday was Canada Day. On Saturday, it's Independence Day in America. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line for our trip into the Blues booth with the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Randy. Good morning, Bernie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks, Randy. Uh, Bernie, we just had a barbecue debate that we need to get your take on here. We had a 4th of July squares thing where Randy and I had to put together our ideal barbecue if you had one thing that you think is a necessity or a must at a barbecue what is it oh boy michelle you know what i'm a big steak guy <laughs> so barbecue to me all the time is a, a nice big uh, ribeye steak uh but uh you well, i love corn on the cob i love uh well i like settler's beans the beans with uh, you know hamburger and, and bacon in, in them um <laughs> i do you know what that i like blueberry pie uh, so I don't know. I got too many things that I like. There's, you know what? No, no matter who, if I have a barbecue or if I go to a barbecue, uh, I, I think I, I, I like everything that anybody ever makes. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to that. Are you, Bernie, are you a grill guy? Do you do the ribeye yourself on the grill? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I really do. I mean, uh, I, I love grilling. I love, well, I love cooking, period. So I've had a lot of time over the course of the last four months to, to cook all <laughs> kinds of different things. So I, I, I know I'm a, I'm a big griller. I'm a big uh, cooker and uh, I even started baking some stuff here uh, during this uh, uh, shutdown and everything. So I've, I've tried a little bit of everything. What's your favorite thing that you've baked? Oh, boy. You know what? I, I've, real, I've kind of perfected the angel food cake from, you know, the uh, right from scratch with the egg whites and this and that. It took me three or four times. I, I underbaked it a few times, and it come, I, once it came out of the oven, I turned it upside down, waited about 10 minutes, thinking it looked beautiful, and all of a sudden it fell apart and just kind of fell off. So uh, I kind of got that uh, down to a science now. So if uh, anybody needs an angel food cake, I, I can do it now. <laughs> Ooh, beautiful. The Federco barbecue sound awesome. <laughs> all right, Bernie, well, let's talk a little bit of hockey. The Blues are getting together. They're ramping up their hockey activities, the group activities, but... But I was thinking about this last night. They only have a couple weeks to get back to playoff hockey condition, which is a very tough task for them to do in such a short period of time. What do you think the intensity level is going to be when the Blues have those group skating activities? I think they'll come together real quickly, Michelle, because, I mean, this is a team that knows what they have to do. I mean, they've been through uh, the war, as we can say, last year, going all the way and winning Stanley Cup. So uh, nothing is going to be new to them. But, I mean, I think when you just look at this whole format, I mean, uh, no one's ever experienced something like this. So I, mean, I think this is, I mean, we're not, we talked about this before. I don't think there's any reason to put an asterisk 
beside what happens to this one. But, um, I mean, this is really strange to be, you know, coming after four months off, you come back right into a, a really a playoff series and you got to try to win, you know, really 16 games to win a Stanley Cup and there's going to be no fans in the stands and, uh, you know, you're quarantined, you're going to be without your families for the most part. So uh, I think that maybe this is going to be maybe the one of the hardest um, you know, Stanley Cups that, that has ever been won in history because the conditions that's going to be played on. But uh, when I look at the Blues, um, I think that this is maybe a better team than they, what they had last year. When you look at the talent they have on this team, uh, they know what it takes to win. Uh, I think that uh, they've got great leadership. I mean, uh, Craig Berube has done just wonders for this hockey club as far as the, the coaching, the way he's done. So I think that uh, uh, they're going to be very confident that, that they can really do this again. So I expect that the intensity to get up as quickly as it can because I think they need to get that uh, there. I mean, they'll have fun for the first couple of days, but I think when they realize that, hey, we're only a couple of weeks away. I think they'll be ready really quickly. The Hall of Famer Bernie Federico with us on Carriker and Smallman. And Bernie, I'm sure you've played against goalies that went to practice and just kind of went through the motions. And you've played against goalies that hated to be scored on in practice. That were just so ultra competitive that they hated it. And Bennington's one of those guys. How much difference does it make for a, a shooter, a guy who's trying to score goals, when his goalie in practice doesn't want him to score? Well, I think it's good for everybody. I mean, uh, you love to have competition in practice. I mean, um, you know, you can only do so much as uh, really as a player, you know, the physical part of it. I mean, there's no reason to lose your temper, which you do sometimes, obviously, when drills are going on. But with a goaltender, uh, that's what you want to see. I mean, and I think you still have to take it a little easy on a goaltender, although the guys don't as much. We didn't really practice shoot that high very often because we didn't want to hurt the goaltender, but I think the goaltenders are so protected with their equipment now that uh, the guys try to score all the time, and when you have the competition between a goaltender and a a forward, you're going to have that in a game, and I think uh, especially now in this short little series that we're going through, I think to, to duplicate you know, game action right off the bat is going to be as quick or is going to be as good uh, for this team as, as possible. And, and with way Bennington plays right now, I think that's really good for the for the shooters to know that, hey, um, they need to try to score on them. They need to try to get their game on as quick as they can, uh, shooting at the corners and this and that. But uh, I think it's really great to have the competition when a goaltender doesn't want to shoot, let you score on any shot that you, you do shoot. Bernie, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but when you talked about shooting high, it reminded me of that playoff series against the Blackhawks when Mike Leud got knocked out of the game when he got hit on the mask by a shot. Do you have a recollection of that? I don't. I don't even. Remember. I think it might have been Rick Vive who shot the puck. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember it. No, I don't, you know what? I think it, you know. To be honest with you, I, 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 the, the name Doug Lacure comes to my mind. Okay. I think that it was Lacure that may have shot that. Like, oh yeah, I do remember that, Randy. That was. I mean. That should have never, ever happened. Once, a, you know, you get hit and you go down with a mask, I mean, you know, it's supposed to be the referee's discretion to see if is the guy really seriously hurt. But when you get hit in the head like that with a shot, uh, I mean, that whistle should have been dead. That goal should have never counted. And, yeah, we'll always remember that. But, I mean, I think that we look at a lot of those things that happened. Uh, it was, I guess we called it destiny. It wasn't meant to be for our time. And, thank, uh, thankfully, everything came together that it was our time last year for the Blues to win the Cup. Finally, it was uh, it was the tide was turned. Right. And, by the way, you were playing in that game, so you didn't get a chance to hear it. You may have heard about it eventually. But Gus Kyle, the, the late, great Gus Kyle, said, I don't think Leute's going to be able to come back into this game because that blood is running out of his nose down into his eyes. <laughs> that sounds like us. That sounds like us. 
<laughs> Bernie, he was a beauty. He was great. Bernie, it's hard to believe yesterday was the two-year anniversary of the Blues acquiring Ryan O'Reilly. It just feels like he's been such an omnipresent part of Blues history. It's hard to believe it's only been two years, but... It was interesting to go back and look at the video the Blues pushed out because when Army called him, one of the first things he said was, let's go win a cup. And we obviously know that that ended up happening. But in your opinion, where does this rank, generally speaking, in the biggest trades in Blues history? Because without Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know if the Blues go out and win a cup. So it's a pretty significant trade. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Army's done some great things. I mean, you know, we go back three years ago when he brought in Braden Shen. I think that was a, a huge uh, uh, mood, be able to bring a center iceman like that that can actually play wing. And then for bringing in Ryan, Ryan last year, I mean, uh, he was a difference maker. I mean, hey, he won the cards, he won Selkie. Uh, and it was just the leadership and the hard work, that, the effort that he puts in every time uh, that he's on the ice. And, uh, yeah, I think when you look at Blues trades, uh, to, to, I mean, we, the Blues never won a Stanley Cup. And I, and I think that when you look at uh, what happened last year, I mean, I think he was such an integral part of it. And he was one of the big reasons that the Blues won the Cup. And uh, when you put that into perspective, then you have to look at it that maybe it's the best trade that they that uh, the Blues have ever made, the general managers have ever made. And uh, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is not only uh, the ultimate uh, two-way player, but uh, I think he's going to be here for a long time. And uh, he's still a young man right now, and I think he's going to lead this team for an awful long time. Bernie Federko, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. You know what? Happy uh, Canada Day from yesterday, as you mentioned. And you know what? Have a great fourth. All right, take care. That is the Hall of Famer, the great Bernie Federico, joining us on 101 ESPN. We need that angel food cake that he talked about. I like that idea. And that's another thing. Angel food cake, uh, an underrated aspect. If you really desire a great 4th of July dessert, angel food cake with strawberries is terrific. And what he talked about at the beginning, blueberry pie. Yeah. Also crucial. We're, we're getting a lot of people hungry today on Carriker and Smallman we on 101 are. ESPN. Next up, we've got our fresh take as the Cardinals get ready to start summer camp 2020, brought to you by Camping World. We'll talk about how the Cardinals are going to go about it from a roster standpoint next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. Nafisha Collier is from Incarnate Word. She is the reigning WNBA Rookie of the Year, and she'll join us coming up in our next segment here on 101 ESPN. But it is time for our fresh take as we get ready for the Cardinals tomorrow, Michelle, to work out at Bush Stadium. It, it happened in a hurry. Here they go. Finally. You say it happened in a hurry, Randy. It feels like it was 10 years in the making. It, 10 years in the making, but from the time that they reached the agreement. Yes. It, it seems like it's here. And the Cardinals have the ability, if they want, to have a 60-player pool. And right now, they're only going to have 44 in St. Louis, rather than the full 60. Here is Pobo John Mozeliak. And really, the, the strategy is twofold. One is, we just wanted to understand how we'd come out of our, our overall testing in, in terms of going through the intake process, how many people um, will be cleared to, to actually get on the field starting on um, the third. And so wanted a little bit more roster flexibility. And then as you can imagine, we will ultimately fill up, maybe not to 60, but if we get very close, seven to 10 days. And you know, part of the thinking is, is, is possibly having, if we are all healthy, having more of a prospect type camp down in, uh, in Springfield. 
Maybe we'll refer to that as uh, Summer Camp South. Which will not be sponsored by Camping World. Oh, Summer Camp South is not sponsored by Camping World? No, only oh. the Major League Camp is. So you'll start there with, Michelle, probably 16 players. Uh, twenty No, 26 players. 44, 50. No, 16 players. And then as the Cardinals cut down, and they'll have a, a big cut a week in from July 3rd to July 10th or 11th. Mm-hmm. They'll have a big cut down, and those players that are cut down will go down and participate in Summer Camp South in Springfield. We need a sponsorship for Summer Camp South. That's a good idea. Because we're going to be talking about it a lot. Yeah, and I I have the idea right now. Okay, what is it? It is um, a camping dealer here in the St. Louis metro area. You know, this may shock you. I'm not familiar with a lot of camping dealers, hmm. so I'm going to leave that one up to you. Okay. Do you like camping? I'm not a huge camper, but I'd like to get a camper. Yeah, I would... I could think of 15 things I'd rather do than go camping. Okay. I'm not um, a big camping girl. Our, our friends at Byerly in Eureka would be perfect right down 44. There you go. So th- that'd be it. So anyway, the Cardinals will start with 44 here, and I guess the big question in baseball now is when you start with 44 and you try to get to the 23rd or 24th of July, does Mozilloc think they're going to? Yeah, it keeps you up at night, right? And yeah. and, and, and part of that's just because, you know, you're not immune to, to reading how many COVID cases are going up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the good news is Missouri's not one of those states that's completely out of control, but... You know, you're, it's still in the back of your mind that this is a, a, a very real virus. And I don't think I can, I don't want to downplay it in any way. I, I want our players and our staff and people that are part of tier one, tier two, to, to really take responsibility of this. And there are a couple tier twos on this call right now. And they know that I sent them a letter yesterday explicitly asking them to to understand the responsibility of what they're undertaking. And I will have a very similar message to share with the players. And that's just not the Cardinals. The, the problem is, is that you're going to have 30 players from 30 different teams. That's 900 players, plus coaches, managers, trainers, that are going to have to share that same sort of responsibility that he's talking about. Well, it's just kind of like the general public, right? You can control your environment as much as you possibly can. You can be wearing masks, etc. If you go out into a different environment and they're not doing the exact same things, you're putting yourself at risk. And, and that's kind of what's happening in, in the baseball world, too. Yeah. And, and hopefully, and hey, sometimes you have no idea that you're at risk. And we haven't talked about it yet, but MLS has had, since they got into their bubble, multiple positive tests. And you have to believe that there will be multiple positive tests in baseball, which could lead to other multiple tests. Uh, positive test. So that's a real issue. Now, Michelle's most important thing, we can talk all we want about this coronavirus stuff, but what about Dylan Carlson? Thank well, you. you know, he's part of this camp. Um, if he doesn't break with us, then he certainly has an opportunity to go down to, to Springfield and, and get live at bats for as long as we see fit. I mean, the biggest question for him right now is is really as I've always stated, when you have someone that needs to be playing, if they're not going to play every day, then they're best getting work somewhere else. And, you know, right now I've, I've made it very clear that the O'Neills of the world, Wayne Thomas of the world, we want to see what we have because, you know, we, we, we've made investments in them as well. And where they are in their career, I think it's time we give them opportunity. It's all about timing, though. 
Yes, give them opportunity, but not too much opportunity in a 60-game season. Try to win this year. Yeah, there, there's not that much opportunity on the table. But I understand Mo's rational response here. You do want to see what you have out of the Thomases and O'Neills of the world. I understand that. But it is kind of difficult if Dylan Carlson is the best option out of the group of outfielders that you have. What are you going to do? Are you going to just send him down automatically? Are you going to break camp with him? I don't really know how they're going to approach it. But it seems like reading through the lines here that no matter what Dylan Carlson does in uh, summer camp, Brought to you by Camping World, yes. right, mm-hmm. Randy? Uh, it seems like no matter what he does, they've kind of made up their minds here. At least for the first week. Exactly. And I'm thinking differently now. Schilt told us yesterday that he's leaning towards 16 pitchers and 14 position players. And even if you think, okay, Carlson's going to be better off getting work, working out two hours a day down in Springfield. Is he going to be better off working out with other minor leaguers for two hours a day in Springfield or taking major league batting practice, being around the major league scene, getting into a couple of major league games a week? What's going to be better for his long term? Now, for the Cardinals, financially and in terms of control, it's better to keep him down in Springfield at uh, Summer Camp South for at least a week. But I really think that from his standpoint, he might advance more being around the major league team than being around 15 other minor leaguers in Springfield. I would say... And not playing games in Springfield, by the way. I was just going to say, I would think participating in actual games would help your development at the major league level more than being in summer camp south would if you're somebody like Dylan Carlson. Yeah, so we've got him taken care of. The Cardinals will have a five-man rotation, and that'll probably go throughout the season. And Mike Schilt says that there are some guys here that might make his job easier in terms of mapping out how many innings pitchers are going to get. Yeah, Randy, I mean, I think that'll be individual. Um, for example, Wayno has been up and down, you know, up and he goes out, throws to a live situation. Uh, for, for He's done that multiple times, four different innings, which is a different stress and load. We get that. Jack has been up and down multiple innings in his training. So, you know, it'll be a part of that individual assessment. And then we'll ramp guys up accordingly. But most of the guys that, and we, again, we have a you know fairly high number of guys that we're going to start as starters in a workload situation. We'll evaluate what that ramp up looks like once we get an inter squad and ups and downs and lots and simulated games. If you have Wainwright and Flaherty already getting up and getting down for four innings on yesterday, July 1st, Mm -hmm. that's 40% of your pitching staff. That's going to make his job a hell of a lot easier, I would think, uh, at the start of the season because you'd plan on those guys being able to go at least five, right? You'd think. But just because they can give you that, does that mean that you push them that far, especially early on? Depends on what you think of your bullpen. And your other starters, because if Michaelis can only give you three, or mm-hmm. Carlos, or KK, uh, or Hudson are only prepared to go three or four, then you're going to have to use your bullpen more with those guys. So you do push, and you know that Wainwright and Flaherty have been working and they're ready to do it, so yep. you do push those guys a little bit more. I have no problem with that. I, I do believe that, I know, that there's a real solid plan in place here, a really solid long-term plan, not just for this month, but for the two months of the season, too. Makes you feel good as a Cardinals fan, right? Yep, I'm ready to go here. I'm I'm ready for uh, training camp 
summer camp, brought to you by Camping World, to start tomorrow at Bush Stadium. They need to cut you a check. I would say so. That is your fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to the WNBA's Rookie of the Year, a St. Louis Incarnate Word product. Nafisha Collier is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Character, and it is a pleasure to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in the WNBA Rookie of the Year Incarnate Word product. She's from uh, originally O'Fallon, spent a couple of years at Jeff City, finished up her high school career here, went to UConn, and now is the Minnesota Lynx Rookie of the Year, Nafisha Collier on 101 ESPN. Nafisha, thanks so much for taking some time with Michelle and I this morning. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Nafisha, I was reading a lot about you last night, and we have something in common. I know that you love mystery books, and so do I. (laughs) And so during quarantine, I'm assuming that you've read a lot. Is there any great books that you read during this period that you can share with us? um, So All the Missing Girls is really good. Um, I love all of Ruth Ware's books and Sarah Pekinen. Um, Have you read any of their books? I read uh, The Girl in Cabin 10 was great. Or the woman yeah, in Cabin Ten, yeah, and a dark, dark wood is really good by them by her too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You should uh, give me some. I'm looking for some new ones. But Michelle will come up with some. Yeah. What has this been like for you without basketball? You're, because for such a long time, even during the off seasons, what, what, going all the way back, I would su- assume before high school, uh, you were playing basketball pretty much all the time. So, what's this been like for you? Yeah, it's been um, it's been really weird. Uh, I haven't even been home this long um, when I was home since high school. So it's been, it was nice, you know, to be around my family and stuff and actually be with them for the holidays because, like I said, I hadn't been able to do that. But it feels really good to be, you know, back on the court working out, back with my team and getting ready for a season again, for sure. And Nafisha, I know that you were getting ready for the Olympic qualifiers and that's been postponed, but. That had to be incredibly disappointing for you because even though you've accomplished so much in your career, getting a chance to represent your country on that stage has to be something that you were really looking forward to. Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, that's the ultimate goal, obviously, to play in the Olympics. And I love playing with Team USA with, um, you know, all the people on the team. You have people that I've been watching since I've been growing up. So to get the chance to play with them is always such a privilege. And um, so, yeah, it was really disappointing. But... You know, they're still next year and, um, you know, we're still going to prepare for that. So keeping our fingers crossed for 2021. Nafisha Collier, the WNBA Rookie of the Year with us on 101 ESPN. Nafisha, uh, Maya Moore is in the news a lot today. And yesterday she walked out of that jail in Jeff City with Jonathan Irons. And she's literally given up her career for the last couple of seasons to work on social justice. And this guy who was wrongfully imprisoned. How much have you been paying attention to that? And how proud of you are uh, of Maya Moore are you for being able to see this through? I am really proud. And um, this has been happening actually since I was in high school. So this is a long time coming. Uh, so I think it's amazing what she's doing. Um, and to give up your career for something like this is, I mean, it's so admirable. I mean, she's definitely someone that you can look up to. She's been a role model of mine for a long time. Coming from the same hometown, she's someone I could kind of follow. And um, the fact that she's doing this, I think, is just amazing. So um, I'm so happy for her and for Jonathan. And, yeah, I mean, it's incredible, really. 
Nafisha, you mentioned high school, so I want to look back on your career a little bit. I know that you were highly sought after in high school. You could have chosen any college in America that you wanted to go to, but you ended up choosing UConn. And from what I understand, you didn't initially want to go to UConn, but then once you went to stores, you said, hey, now that I'm here and I see everything that's going on here, it's a wrap. What was it about that visit that changed your mind? Yeah, so the only reason I originally didn't want to go is because I know how good of a school UConn is, and I wanted to beat them because, you know, they were winning all the time, and I thought um, to be the best, you have to beat the best. So that's why I originally didn't want to go, but, you know, once I got there and I saw not only, you know, I loved the team, the girls on the team, but I saw what the coaches were doing there. I saw what they put the team through and how hard and rigorous it was. At that point, I knew that I wanted to play professionally, and so I knew going there, they would give me the best prepared to do that. So without a doubt, before my visit was even over, I knew that I was going to commit there. And Gino Ariama, Hall of Fame coach, we all know how outstanding he is. But can you give us a story that kind of takes us behind the scenes on what he's like on a day-to-day basis? Oh, it's a tough question. <laughs> um, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I think that, you know, he has that reputation of being a yeller, and I'm sure he was, you know, back in the day, but he wasn't so much of a yeller once I got there. Um, but I remember even my senior year, we would have, you know, our locker room talk about what the expectations were and things like that for the year. And even my senior year, I'm like, wow, he's really amazing to listen to. And so, like, the knowledge that he has is so cool. And I just thought that, like, even as a senior, after four years, I'm still, like, in awe of just him talking. So that's kind of, like, what it was on a daily basis is he's just so insightful. And the things that I can learn from him was really never-ending. You averaged a double-double in college. You had 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. You didn't give many reasons to yell, Nafisha. <laughs> yeah, I hope you tell that to him. <laughs> How much, uh, when you got into the league, uh, because those of us that don't watch the WNBA on a regular basis and basically see the tournament uh, for women's college basketball, how close is what you experienced at UConn with the talent that was there on that specific team to what you go against? What were practices like at UConn compared to practices like in the WNBA? In, in terms of um, the quality. Really yeah, I was really fortunate. My um, Coach Reef, her coaching style is really similar to Coach Geno's, and I think that's why both of their programs have been so successful. Is because at practice, they expect the absolute best. They expect you to give 100%. There's no possessions off. You need to pay attention, be crisp. So it really wasn't that different. The only difference was I might have had, you know, older players on my team than I did in, in college with my veterans and things like that, but in terms of what was expected for me and the quality of practice, it was pretty similar. Nafisha Collier with us on 101 ESPN. It's interesting. A contemporary of yours here in the St. Louis area was Jason Tatum. And, and we talked to Kevin Harlan, and Kevin told us that Jason is one of the best all-around players, offense and defense in the NBA. And you seem to have those same qualities. Why? What made you exhibit such great effort defensively uh, in addition to your great all-around offensive game what made you the all-around player that you are 
I think, um, you know, being at school and being around the coaching staff that I had, because if you listen to coach my um, freshman and sophomore years, all he talked about was how bad my defense was. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, they definitely get the best out of you. And, you know, at some point you're going to get tired of listening to the coaches telling you how bad you are defense and <laughs> you have to make a change. So, yeah, I would definitely say um, my coaching staff helped me a lot with that. And a lot of it's not even about talent. It's about knowing – um, the positions and what your defenders are going to do. So they really helped me kind of see that and adjust to that. And how cool is it for you, Nafisha, to, to look around college basketball, look around your league, the WNBA and the NBA, and see such a great influence from the place where you wound up your high school career here in St. Louis? It's awesome. And it gives me such pride in the place that I grew up. Um, big things are have come out of St. Louis and will continue to come out of St. Louis. So definitely proud to be from there. And Nafisha, one more thing on a personal level. I know that you're engaged and planning a wedding in the fall. What's it been like trying to plan a wedding and navigate that during a pandemic? It's been hard, So, which is exactly why we have postponed it until next year. Um, just with everything going on with the pandemic and just everything with the season in the, in the country, uh, we just thought it was best to kind of push it back till next year. Well, we know that you're going to have a great career. We know that you and Alex are going to have a great life together. And uh, what, so what's the timetable? B- before we let you go, Nafisha, you, you mentioned you're back with your teammates. What's the WNBA timetable now? We are leaving on Monday for Florida. So, And then we have a couple days quarantine, and then we have training camp, and we're off to the races for games. Well, we're proud of you here in St. Louis. We can't wait to watch you play again. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning, and have a great year. Have a great season. Thank you, guys. See you later. That is Nafisha Collier, Incarnate Word, UConn, Minnesota Lynx, WNBA Rookie of the Year. So proud of her. That's great. And it is amazing. Uh, Maya Moore, Jeff, they, they were very close to parallel tracks, except for uh, Nafisha. She wound up going to Jeff City for a couple of years and then came back. And Maya was from Jeff City and yeah. played her entire career at Jeff City. But both wind, wind up being college basketball All-Americans. Both wind up uh, with Minnesota in the WNBA. And what Maya Moore has done, I'm sure she's influenced a lot of women in the I'm WNBA. Sure. But you talk about giving up your career for a cause. She did it of her own choice so that she could help this guy get out of prison. And it worked. She did it. It's so inspiring. But it's so great to think about people, not only great athletes, but great people coming out of the St. Louis area, right? Yeah, and she's terrific. Yep. Our thanks to Nafisha Collier for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got a late edition of The Fight with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. In the red corner, the challenger, Average Joe. out of the mean streets of Creve Corps, the undisputed king of morning drive. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Randy the intro it is time for the fight here on 101 espn a late edition of the fight it's 8 48 a.m but it's going to be a great fight nonetheless tanner please let everyone know what we're fighting for today 
Well, today we are fighting for a gift card to Budweiser Brew House, reopening soon at Ballpark Village, and we want to get you stocked up to be ready when they do. That sounds great, and let's welcome in our fighter today. Mike is with us. Mike, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy today? It's the last fight of the week, so we need you to bring the heat. I will try my best. All right. Mike, question number one. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt and former Cardinal Rick Ankiel were elected into the Appalachian League Hall of Fame yesterday. When Rick Ankiel made his big league debut in 1999, what position did he play? Was it left field, pitcher, or first base? Pitcher. According to sources, the NFL is going to shorten its preseason from four games to two games this year. When was the last time the NFL's standard preseason schedule did not have teams playing four preseason games? Was it 2011, 1977, or 1997? What was the first one? 2011. I'll do 2011. All right, Mike. Who did the Cardinals acquire from the San Diego Padres in exchange for Jim Edmonds? Was it David Freeze, Woody Williams, or Luke Gregerson? Woody Williams. And the last one here, Mike. What MLB team has the longest active playoff drought in MLB? Is it Chicago White Sox, Miami Marlins, or Seattle Mariners? Mm. The White Sox. All right. We have Tanner going to get Randy. Mike, do you have any big 4th of July plans on deck? Uh, just go spin it with our family. That sounds good. Sounds good. Barbecue? Oh, yeah. Barbecue and just, just relaxing and enjoying some, uh, some free time. Sounds perfect. All right, Randy is here. Randy, say good morning to Mike, your challenger. Morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Randy? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. I was just watching the video of Brad Thompson throwing eggs at the Riz Show guys yesterday. I wouldn't even call it throwing. <laughs> he pelted them. He did. They have bruises. Do they? Yeah. I mean, he is a professional baseball player. Of right. course, he, he is going to show no mercy to them. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Yeah, I could. I watched that video. He, I believe, threw uh, an egg so hard he ripped Patrico's pants. He did, yeah. yeah. So if you get the opportunity, just go to the Insta 101 ESPN or on Twitter and watch the video. It's spectacular. It really is funny. But hey, you know, Riz showed up and, and interrupted their broadcast. Right. <laughs> so, hey, an eye for an eye. Hey, don't play with fire if you're... What's that saying? Don't play with fire if you're not going to get burned? What is that? I don't know. Don't... Wait, don't stay out of the kitchen. Don't if play you with fire. How about, how about this? Don't poke the bear if you don't want Brad Thompson to yeah. throw something at you. If, yeah. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. There stay you go. out of the kitchen. <laughs> something. Something like that. All right, Randy. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt and former Cardinal Rick Ankiel were elected into the Appalachian League Hall of Fame yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do you say Appalachian? Appalachian. Uh, I would go Appalachian. Appalachian. That'd be me, but... Uh, uh, Schulte called it the Appy League, so that's it. Okay, you so go. there you go. The Appy League Hall of Fame yesterday. Mm-hmm. When Rick Ankiel made his big league debut in 1999, what position did he play? Uh, for the Cardinals, he was a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. All right, Randy, according to sources, the NFL is going to shorten its preseason from four games to two games this year. When was the last time the NFL's standard preseason schedule did not have teams playing four preseason games? The standard. So before we had, uh, so the the one that came before any lockouts or strikes or anything, right? I would say nineteen seventy 
seven. The football Cardinals went seven and seven and played six preseason games. I would say 1977 would be the last time. All right, Randy. Who did the Cardinals acquire from the Padres in exchange for Jim Edmonds? David Fries. And last one here, Randy. What MLB team has the longest active playoff drought? Seattle Mariners. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner. And still champion, Randy Carriker! Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Sorry, Mike. Randy got all four correct again. Randy, you have just been on fire this week. I've been playing well. I've been on a hot streak. I'll take it. You're in the zone. Yeah. All right, let's run through the answers here. When Rick Ankiel made his big league debut in 1999, he was a pitcher. The NFL, the last time their standard preseason schedule did not have teams playing four preseason games was 1977. The Cardinals acquired David Freeze in exchange for Jim Edmonds. Turned out to be a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. And the longest active playout drought in Major League Baseball belongs to the Seattle Mariners. They last appeared 18 seasons ago in the postseason when they made the 2001 ALCS. Mike, thanks so much for playing and have a happy 4th of July weekend. Same to you guys. Thank you very much. We appreciate you playing, and you can always participate by sending us a text, 65780, between 7 and 8, usually, and we'll pick a participant that day. All you need to do is text the word FIGHT to 65780. The 1977 football Cardinal team, so they had gone... It turned good in 1974 under Don Coriel. They had had, Michelle, three consecutive 4-9-1 and one seasons. And two uh, under Bob Hallway, and then they hired Coriel in his first year. Then they go ten and four, eleven and three, ten and four, and they're good. They mm-hmm. were really good. Mm-hmm. Nineteen seventy-seven, they get off to a one and three start, and Coriel says, um, "I think we will. I think we'll make those playoffs." He had a little bit of a lisp. Oh, okay. Uh, and then they win five in a row, get to six and three, get to seven and three, and after a loss to Washington that made them seven and four. He goes to the columnist of the Globe Democrat and says, I don't want to coach here anymore. I don't want to be here. Wow. He was from San Diego. He grew up in Washington, but he loved Southern California. came here from uh, San Diego State, and everything just collapsed. They lose on Thanksgiving Day to the Dolphins, 55-14, to 14, and they get to the last game. Still have a chance for the playoffs. They're 7-6, and six. and the players, Dan Deerhoff in the pre-game meeting the night before says, Don, you haven't said anything to us. What are you going to do? Are you going to be here or not? And Coriel wouldn't answer. And so the players all knew that he was going to be gone. Wow. Tampa Bay had won their first game the week of ever. They had started off 0-26. And the previous week had won their very first game ever in New Orleans. And they win their first home game ever against the football Cardinals to get to 2-26. and 26. The Cardinals, who were supposed to be good, and that was it. That was After that season, Coriel left. Uh, Terry Metcalf left, and the football Cardinals were never great again after that in St. Louis. So we have a rich history here of people abandoning us for Southern California. Yes, we do. Wow. Great. And then I learned subsequently, way subsequently, that, and by the way, Coriel worked out a deal where he couldn't coach the next year and the Cardinals were going to pay him and they would not pay him if he had a, if he went to another team. Four games into the 78 season, he signs a deal with the Chargers. But I, had, I, I later found out that he actually had agreed to that. The Chargers had tampered with him to get him to say he didn't want to be in St. Louis anymore. And 
he had agreed to that deal with San Diego that he would become their next head coach in November of 1977. Does that change the way you view him? Yeah, it does. Yeah, because he had a deal here. He had a contract to be the head coach, Mm -hmm. and things were never the same. And not that Bill Bidwell did a good job, because Bud Wilkinson, who had been a great college coach, was a terrible NFL coach. Like, the worst NFL coach, maybe, well, not the worst ever. But one of the two or three worst ever. I'll tell you this. Two of the three worst ever have coached here in St. Louis. And Who was the other one? Uh, Scott Linehan. Oh, I, th- I didn't know if you were going Spags. I like Spags too much to call him one of the worst. Let's go three of the four. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've had some some twosies here. Yes, we have. But anyway, they could have promoted Jim Hannafin. And oh, those players him. always said if they would have just immediately promoted Hanny and kept Metcalf, and it wouldn't have cost them a lot to keep Terry Metcalf, that they would have kept rolling. But they didn't. They let Metcalf go. They let Hanny. Hanny went the year after that to San Diego to become their offensive line coach with Coriel, and it was pretty much a disaster from there on. Had a couple of good years with Lomax and Green, but they were never great again in St. Louis. What a bummer, Randy. Yeah. but th- So that was... 1977, that's why I brought it up, because it was in the 4 o'clock fight. Well, I have something that might elevate your mood. Yes. We have a bonus question. Okay, I like bonus questions. For you. Tanner, take it away. So, 4th of July, I was thinking, you know, after a home run, team shoot off fireworks Mm -hmm. in their home ballpark. What year did that start? Oh, this is a good one. This wasn't just on the 4th of July, but teams, somebody started shooting off home runs after, or fireworks after a home run. Yep. What year did that start? I am going to go with, I'm going to go later rather than earlier. I'm, let's see. I'll go 1991. Well, you going to, you want one, Michelle? Oh, okay. So you say 91. I'm going to go prices right here and just try to $1 you more. So I'm going to go 92. Okay. The first time a firework was shot off after a home run, April 12th, 1960. Oh, Ooh, wow. wow. We were way off. We are not going to the showcase. No. The Chicago White Sox did it, oh, and they called it a exploding scoreboard at the time. An exploding scoreboard. Nice. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. <laughs> it's a positive if you're scoring a bunch of runs. True. But you don't want your scoreboard to blow up. Yeah, no. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And coming up, today's big thing. Cardinals getting ready. First workout tomorrow. Yes. And that'll obviously be the big thing next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health is here in person or online to provide the safe, high quality and personalized care you've come to expect. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. Character and Smallman, it's 9.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and it is our Friday actually being physically here in studio. We do have a best of show coming up tomorrow, and we've got a lot of great interviews for you. So we hope you tune in from 7 to 10 tomorrow here on 101 ESPN. And we're getting ready, interestingly, on July 2nd for the start of Blues Training Camp. And it was just a year ago, two years ago, yesterday, Michelle, that the Blues finalized their deal with the Sabres to get Ryan O'Reilly. 
And I want to start with this because I was disappointed that day. And you know how big of a fan Joe Buck is, right? Mm-hmm. So Joe and I are texting throughout the day because uh, we're hoping that the Cardinals make this move. It's a Sunday. July 1st is on a Sunday. And uh, so they signed Bozak and they signed David Perron back. And I, I was thinking Bozak was going to be the number two center. And he's a perfect number three center, but he's not a number two. So we were both kind of despondent and mad at the Blues. And actually... I was going to give up my season tickets, and so was Joe. And then that night, we're headed to the Muni. And as we're walking into the Muni, I get the alert that the Blues have traded for Ryan O'Reilly. And I probably, for the first half of that show, up until the uh, the intermission, I was texting back and forth with Joe about how excited we were that the Blues had gotten Ryan O'Reilly and how that changed the entire scope of the franchise because now you've got... For the first time in a long time, a legitimate number one center. Mm-hmm. And then Shen can be your number two. And then Bozak is your number three. And you've got all these kids and you've got so much potential. And obviously it was borne out because they won the Stanley Cup. But I remember that day vividly. So Army had a plan all along. Mm-hmm. So while you were mad saying, I'm going to give up my tickets, Doug Armstrong was sitting there making some phone calls saying, hang on, just wait a second. Yeah, he. well, I don't think that they were convinced during the day either. Because Buffalo had to come back to them and say, okay, we'll do it. Because Buffalo, remember, had to pay the it, the signing bonus was $7.5 million. It was really his entire salary. And then the Blues were willing to take that on. And that's what made the difference, was that the Blues ownership group said, yeah, whatever you need to do, you go ahead and do it. And so when they signed off on paying the $7.5 million, and Buffalo realized that they weren't going to get any more in terms of players out of the Blues. They said, yeah, okay, well, you win. And, yeah, the Blues won. I went back and watched the video of that phone call. The Blues pushed it out yesterday. And two things really stood out to me that were so quintessential Ryan O'Reilly. Actually, three. One of the first things that he says on the phone to Army is, let's go win a cup. Yep. He talks about how he and his wife had just gotten married, but they were pushing back their honeymoon because they were going to have too much to do in the summer, and he wanted to get on the ice and get ready. Typical Ryan O'Reilly. And right before he got off the phone with Army, he said, I won't let you down. I won't let you down. And to think about how he came in here and just by his work ethic alone started to kind of shift the tide and and change the culture and the identity of the this Blues team. So many other pieces had to be put into place. But I will never forget Bobby Plager. I think it was around February in January. As we know, we know the story. The Blues were in dead last place. And around February, they started to turn things around. And Jeremy Rutherford put out a tweet saying, I asked Bobby Plager, what's the difference in this team? And he said, it's number 90. He's like, his work ethic forces the rest of this team to do the same because they cannot look themselves in the mirror if they don't give exactly what he's giving day in and day out. So that leads me to ask you, Randy, when you think about this trade, where does this rank in the best trades in Blues history conversation? All right, let let me start with this before I get to that. Sure. Because Barubi finished off changing the culture and I'm 100% on board with the idea that the start of the culture change was the result of Ryan O'Reilly getting being the first on the ice at practice, being the last off, and having the, the O'Reilly school where young players would gravitate towards him mm-hmm. after practice, and he would help them with their games, with the nuances of hockey. So the culture changed in large part because of him. There's only two plays here, right? There's the Hull trade. And there's the O'Reilly trade. We got a lot of thrills out of Brett Hall. But we never got the thrill of a Stanley Cup championship. And I think that 
we can argue reasonably that the linchpin to winning the Stanley Cup, the guy won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Right. The linchpin to winning that Stanley Cup and us getting to go to that parade was the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. So I would go with that one because of the resulting success of the team. Hully obviously gave us a lot of great individual moments. But you did trade two guys that helped win, uh, Calgary win the Cup. You traded uh, Ramage and Wamsley. You traded really good players. You traded some guys to Buffalo that, are, well, one's not in the league anymore. Another one won't be. Mm-hmm. And then a first-rounder and Tage Thompson, who may or may not work out for Buffalo. But you traded virtually nothing for Ryan O'Reilly. So I, I'm going to go with the O'Reilly trade. And by the way, the Blues have made a lot of really good trades over the course of their history. The Phil Housley for Al McKinnis trade was an amazing deal. But I'm going to go with the O'Reilly trade being the best. So am I. And to think about the fact that Brad Hall, who is obviously Hall, Hall of Fame, I mean, amazing, amazing player. He still couldn't get done. He never hoisted the cup. And anything... And by, the, by the way, through no fault of his own. Right. But you just here. look at the end result, right? Right. He didn't get to ho- hoist the cup here in St. Louis. And that is something that Blues fans had been waiting for for so long. And when you look at the puzzle that had to be put together in order for them to get it done, you're right. Craig Berube, huge piece. Jordan Bennington, huge piece. A lot of the guys on that team, big, big pieces. But Ryan O'Reilly was such a, an integral part of that team. I don't think if you have him on that team, I don't know if they get it done. And he has become, like Hull, a great member of our community. Yep. And he, he's somebody that if you have if you have young kids that want to play hockey, you, you just go to a game and you watch number, number 90 and say, okay, if you want to play, just look at the way that guy plays and play like that. And you're going to be successful because he gives, even though he's got a lot of talent, we've talked before about the guys that have that combination because we were, it would happen during uh, last dance, the combination of incredible talent and work ethic. And Ryan O'Reilly is one of those guys that has that. He also is a guy that while he's incredibly passionate on the ice and you can tell he's giving it his all. He fits in that Craig Berube mold when you talk to him after the game, even if it's a really bad loss, he he never gets too high or too low. He keeps it really even keel. And that's, I think, something that was so important for this Blues team is to have that that tone in the locker room, never get too high or too low, never get too bought in when you're winning, when you're going on that great winning streak or when you're dominating certain games to say, hey, we still have another game tomorrow. We better lock it up. And when you, you lose a heartbreaking game, a hand pass game, never getting too low and letting it get in your head. And he's a big part of that as well. Does it seem like two years to you? No, not at all. It seems like uh, when it came up on the Blues website or on the social media, I said, no, it was last year. No, it was two years ago. Time flies when you're having fun. It really does. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 917, and it's time for You're Killing Me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, we know a lot of Cardinals players are making their way back to St. Louis, or they have been in St. Louis for a week or so. And they're tweeting about how excited they are to be back in town. Well... Dexter Fowler took to Twitter yesterday and he tweeted this. Feels so good to be back in St. Louis. I can taste baseball dot 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 
and the best pizza on earth, dot, dot, dot. Now, as we know, Dexter played in both St. Louis and Chicago. Mm -hmm. And Randy, as you can imagine, a lot of Cubs fans up in arms about this saying, how dare you? That is blasphemy. St. Louis pizza is gross. We have deep dish here. But Dexter, you heard it here first, saying that St. Louis has the best pizza on earth. And it's not just the St. Louis style pizza, Emo's, but we even do better at deep dish than Chicago does with pie. Yeah, of course. So I don't know what complaint they have. Maybe they just need to broaden their horizons a little bit as Chicagoans and make their way to some of the fine pizza places here in St. Louis, like La Pizza or uh, Wagon Wheel Pizza down in St. Charles or Pie or obviously Emo's. There are plenty of great pizza places here in St. Louis that are better than what they have in Chicago. Union Loafers Pizza is the best pizza you're going to get in the state of Missouri or Illinois. So there you go. There you go. So, yeah, quit complaining, Chicago fans. Just, hey, up your game. Randy, take it or leave it. If you have to use a fork to eat pizza, it's not pizza. I'm going to leave that. Wow. Well, you got the deep dish, though. Yeah, I don't like deep dish. Oh, I'm a deep dish guy. I love deep dish. So, yeah, I can absolutely use a fork to eat that. Now, if it's not deep dish... I make the really good deep dish pizza on the Traeger, by the way. Uh, of course you do. But if, if it's not deep dish, then I, I, I'm on board with you. But yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, that's not a really great play. I'm surprised you like deep dish. It's like lasagna and a crust. I love deep dish pizza. Oh, Randy. No, it's, it's sensational. Here I was thinking we were going to band together, rip on deep dish pizza, rip on Chicago, oh, and you threw yeah. a wrench into my plans, Randy. Thank God I have Dexter Fowler on my side. Well, we don't know what pizza he's talking about, though. What if it is pie deep dish? What if he's talking about the best deep dish pizza in America? I don't think he is. I think he's talking about St. Louis-style pizza, and that has Probel on it. Nothing wrong with that. But you know what? Dexter Fowler's a smart guy. He knows that there's still that, hey, I played in Chicago, St. Louis aspect to him. And he's he's playing on the right side of the fence. Yes, he is. Good and for I, him. I appreciate that out of him. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy. We have been talking for a while about Kurt Warner. What an amazing story Kurt Warner has. They're going to make it into a movie. We've been talking about it for years. Well, it is happening. And we have Kurt Warner cast in the movie. Would you like to hear who's going to play Kurt? I would. Zachary Levi. Shazam star Zachary Levi is going to play Kurt Warner as a two-time NFL MVP and Hall of Fame quarterback in American Underdog, The Kurt Warner Story. I must confess I'm not familiar with Zachary Levi. If you Google him, Mm -hmm. you will see that this is a great casting choice. He looks just like Kurt Warner. Okay, good. Then I'm I'm on board. I think it's a great story to tell. I don't know. It's kind of like uh, the movie Miracle and the HBO documentary Miracle on Ice, basically the same thing. If you watch a Kurt Warner documentary, it can't get much better in a movie than the real story For is. Sure. So I wonder what they're going to do to enhance this. And I also wonder who plays Brenda. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I was just going to say, do you have any casting choices? I'd have to think about it. Me too. I also wonder if the NFL is on, if they're going to be on board and allow their licensing. Are they going to allow somebody to talk about the St. Louis Rams? They're going to have to. Well, unless they just say Rams, they just say Rams. That might be. Yeah. But don't you think you're going to need some city shots at some point? You'd think so. Yeah. You're going to have to have shots that look like they're in the dome. Yeah. Unless they keep it super tight shots only on the field. But you have to have, like, 
if you're doing St. Louis, you have to have an arch shot, right? You have to. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about this. Also, Randy, take it or leave it. American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, is too long. They should just call it American Underdog. Yes, unless they already have that. Maybe there was a movie made that was called American Underdog. Does Greg Kinnear play Vermeil again? That's actually not bad. I think he should. I'm trying to think if we we should do that over our holiday weekend. Think about some other Cast casting choices. Yes, because Zachary Levi, when you look at them side by side, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll cast Marshall and Isaac, Orlando, Ricky Prohl. Yeah, Mike Jones, Georgia. Yeah, this would be great. Frankie. No, he's not going to be in there. Okay, <laughs> you make the movie. He, he was up on that stage when they won the Super Bowl. This is supposed to be a positive, heartwarming story. Okay, so we'll leave him out. We have. Uh, what would you call it? We have artistic freedom here. Yeah, artistic to license. Cut him out. He played such a small role in their success yeah, then. He, he played no role in their no success. No role in their success. He was just on the stage. There's no need to include him. Yeah. You take away the $13 billion, which you really don't, but he's kind of a loser. Randy, he's a loser with the $13 billion. Yeah. Look at that toupee. But he's taking an L every day. That's true. He wakes up taking an L every day. The thing is, though, if we had $13 billion, we would say we're winning. Regardless of how, how our toupee looked. But if I had $13 billion, <laughs> I would say, you know what? I need to get this fixed. I know, but you're logical. <laughs> yeah. You can be you can be winning, but dumb. Of course. But there you go. But are you really winning if you are dumb? And, well, are and, you just and self-aware. Unaw- I was just going to say, are you just unaware that you're losing? That might be it. And that mm. isn't a bad place to be if you, in your mind... Everything is sunshine lollipops, and right. everyone loves you. So if, think about this from a baseball perspective. You get hit by a pitch, and then you get balked to second and balked to third. That is Stan Kroenke marrying Ann Walton. Yeah. Didn't there, you know. Yeah. To get to that $13 billion, you got hit by a pitch and got balked to second and balked to third. Man. <laughs> $13 billion. Pretty good. He's still a loser. I don't care. You're killing me, Small. All right, Ranty. Speaking of losers, (laughs) a study was carried out by Colorado State University, and they surveyed about 1,400 women between the ages of 18 to 24. They were shown photographs of the same men. The pictures were basically the same, except one image showed the man holding a cat. The other did not. They were asked to rate the man on various attributes like personality, masculinity, dateability. The survey came back and they reportedly found that women found the man holding the cat to be less masculine and less dateable. Essentially saying that guys who like cats, not as dateable as guys who don't have animals or guys who have dogs. I am not surprised by this, but I'm a dog guy. I want to know what you think. Yeah, I I prefer dogs so over a guy with a cat. If you are given this scenario where you see the picture of one a guy not holding a cat and then the same guy holding a cat, is there a chance that the guy that is holding the cat could be as masculine or as dateable? There's a chance, but I'm not going to choose the guy with the cat.
All right. So I like, what if he's holding the cat, but he's lining up to throw it? Well, no, that seems violent. It we don't is. want that. We don't want violence against animals. We don't. I just... Cats, like it's going to land on its feet. Cats... And it has nine lives. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the big <laughs> deal, right? Am I right? I don't enjoy cats generally. Generally, you have to throw that in there. I'm with you. There are some cats that are kind of fun. Yes, yeah, some are okay. But, but I just don't like general. how they slink around and then you don't even really know they're there. And the next thing you know, they're rubbing up against your leg and they freak you out. Mm-hmm. And they don't really need affection. And then they go to the bathroom inside your house yeah. and it just sits there. I, I mean, there's a lot of things to dislike about cats. And they will try to hurt you. If they still have claws, they will try to hurt you too. Right. But you can train dogs to not hurt you. You can train dogs. My dog knocks on the door to go outside. She just taps her paw on the door so that she can go out. My uncle's dog rings a bell. Yeah, that's always a good thing to train a dog to yeah, do. Yeah, literally, come, uh, just yeah. like tapping the I mean, I just want my dog out a lot. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully it works. But um, yeah, I don't know. Cat's not a big thing. But so this survey comes out. It's proof now. And yeah, and says, hey. Women do not really want to date guys with cats. And guys all over the internet are sounding off saying, hey, we are dateable guys. Just because we like cats, do not hold that against us. Uh, I would say don't get pictures taken with your cat. Get her to fall in love with you before she's aware that you have the feline. That's my thought. Uh, We have some people checking in, 65780 on this issue from the 314. Any single dude with a cat is a serial killer. I kind of thought that I didn't want to say it, but now that we have people saying it, I'm going to I'm going to agree with it wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I, I thought it. So, what are you doing with a cat, dude? And you're alone with a cat, right? So, unless you're bringing that person home to make a coat out of them with their skin. Ew, Randy. Well, skin that, coat. That's gross. what I'm talking about. Randy, had a electric did it. Apparently, it's comfortable. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> yeah. So, you have a dog because you like companionship, right? right? And when you come home, no matter what type of day you have, a dog is going to greet you at the door. Right, wagging their tail. So excited to see you. Man's best friend. What is the point of having a cat? The cat's not going to greet you at the door. The cat's not going to make your day better. If anything, you have a rough day, and then you have to beg the cat to want to show you affection. Doesn't seem like a great trade-off. You might get a fluffy cat that does the uh, like the little massage thing with its paws. That as long as it doesn't have the uh, the claws, so that just kind of goes, you know, how it, like punches into you and does a little massage. That's the only thing I can think of. And maybe it's so soft that it's fun to pet. I'm, I'm stretching here. I'm trying. I was going to say you're really reaching here, but I appreciate that effort out of you. A um, couple more things from the text line three one from the three one four. Cats are just like junkies. They only come around when they need something. That's true. It is yeah, true. Never... This one from the six one eight. A single dude with a cat, obviously a Cubs fan. Yes, true. A Cubs fan, serial killer. Hmm. Not like we couldn't find that in Chicago. <laughs> Last one from the 913. Single guys with cats are creepy. Ooh. Okay, Michelle, take it or leave it. Single guys with cats are creepy. I'm going to take it. Okay, there we go. Your uh, opinion on this is much more valid than mine is. I'm just totally judgmental about guys with cats. Do you know, how about, I'll just put it this way. Do you know a single guy with a cat? 
I do not. I don't either. And I know a lot of single guys. And I don't know any that's like, hey, meet my cat Tabby or Whiskers or whatever. They, a lot of them have dogs. Yep. A lot of them have dogs. I wouldn't name a cat Tabby or Whiskers either. What would you name, name your cat? Be like Dave or Walt. Something like that. Walt? Yeah. Well, Walt's a great dog name. That is a good dog name. I would, would want a more masculine kitty. I wouldn't want one that I wouldn't want the slinking around cat. I would want a cat that kind of acts like a dog. But can, I, can you guarantee when you get a cat that no. you're going to get a cat that acts like a dog? So I might as well get a dog. Just right? get a dog. Yeah. So, and we're dog people here. We certainly don't have any uh, disdain for the kitties themselves. Just clearly the single men that have them. Thanks, Michelle. You're, I'm reading these texts. These are too funny. Give us one more. Okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> Some of these I can't read. Um, guys with cats need to get a dog and then get out of their mom's basement. Yep. <laughs> Question here. What about a guy with a pet rabbit? I think. I don't. I, I would have to think about this. We're getting too deep here. My best friend has a cat. He got their picture taken for Christmas. One word, creepy. <laughs> and there was one that said, uh, I'm a single guy with a cat. It was the only thing that she didn't take. And that should tell you something. Yep. There you go. Joey Vitale is going to join us next as we talk some hockey and fun stuff. What is uh, Joey's number one 4th of July barbecue food? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for a Blues Report with Joey Vitale. You automatically look 15% tougher if you have a beard. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. Orange and green in the shape of carrots. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. <laughs> this is silky smooth. Let's go, All right, Joey Vitale is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Joey, as you know, this is a very serious show that you're mm-hmm. joining here. And we, mm-hmm. we, we don't get into uh, the non-essential, frivolous, fluffy stuff. So uh, we just want you to know that as you're walking through the door here of Carriker and Smallman. Hey, listen, guys, I expected nothing less. Uh, you know, hardly ever do I think I'm going to come on your guys' show and talk sports. So usually this is my, my fun 10 minutes of my week right here. All right, Joey. Well, first question for you. Single guy with a cat, creepy or okay? Definitely creepy. Creepy, creepy, creepy. I, would, uh, I wouldn't trust anyone. I don't trust two people in this world, guys. I don't trust single people with cats. And I don't trust, uh, excuse me, t- uh, young single people, excuse me, with cats, young single guys with cats, number one. Number two, I don't trust people who don't like dogs. I, I don't know who, who can not like a dog. Great point, Joey. And uh, you're a guy. You've played on a lot of teams. You had a lot of single guys in your orbit throughout your life. Do you know any single guy with a cat? You know, I don't. I don't. And maybe that's why I'm kind of creeped out by it. It's the, the fact that uh, I've never really heard it, seen of it. But just the thought of it itself. And listen, I, I, I get it. When you get older, uh, you know, one day I'm going to get older. And uh, if I need some company, I get, get a cat, get a dog. I totally understand that. But I mean, if you're young and you're single and you got a cat, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. You can't even walk a cat. I tried walking a cat once. You can't even walk a cat. What do you do with the thing? Oh, yeah. And you can't give them a bath. They give themselves baths, but you can't give them a bath. 
Oh, and they freak out. I had, we had one cat in my life. His name was Boots and Cats, and he used to hide under the bed, and we wouldn't see him for days. And out of nowhere, we'd be walking by the bed as a kid. I remember this. And he would literally just come out and caught and bite your ankle after not being uh, uh. present for three straight days. And I, I hated that cat. And it's not a cat guy. No, I, I totally get that. And I talked about the clawing earlier. I just want to pre- pass along one other anecdote. Uh, I had a golden retriever named Midas, the first golden retriever. And we've um, we've had goldens for a long time now. I taught Mighty how to go get a Diet Coke for me out of the fridge. Put a towel on the refrigerator door. He would go open it up. He'd grab me a Diet Coke. He would actually close the door and bring me the Diet Coke. Problem was, once they went to those real thin aluminum cans, he started to puncture them. And so that was a problem. So we took the towel off the door. But you could never teach a cat how to get you a soda out of the fridge. Never, ever, ever, Randy. I'm with you, buddy. I've had golden my whole life. And I, I'm partial to Golden. I have a Golden right now, Gracie. She's two. And my wife literally came up to me the other day, and she said, we got to get We got to work with Gracie. What's wrong? And she said, you know, when neighbors come by, or the mailman comes by, or a mailwoman comes by, she kind of has this thing that likes to jump up for attention. And I, I looked at her, I'm like, you know what? If that's the worst thing we have going our dog right now, I consider our lives pretty lucky. Gracie is. She doesn't bark. Uh, she doesn't run away. We don't have an electric fence. She just roams the yard. She takes care of the kids. She's the most obedient thing ever. Uh, not only am I partial to the dogs, guys. Uh, I'm with you, Randy. I absolutely love golden retrievers. I think they're they're a godsend. All right, Joey. So as the Blues get ready to get back into action, which team that they could potentially face will be the cat? In this situation where you don't necessarily think about them for a day or two and then boom, they come out with claws and they're biting your ankles. Wow, you know, Michelle, you kind of just jumped right into hockey there. And I, I was like, whoa, that's not really Michelle Smallman's style. I know, I'm sorry. It took you for a loop there, buddy. That. Yeah, like, well, you know, I, that's something I would do. I would like, because I'm, I'm not a very good interviewer person yet. And, and I would just go right from one topic to the other because I'm, I'm still very raw and new. But I'm like thinking for a second, like, this isn't Michelle Smallman. But then I see what you did there. Yeah, you kind of grabbed the cat mm-hmm. and you transitioned it back. So, yeah, it's a no surprise. You know, Michelle, to answer your question, you know, I, I really always felt that uh, two teams that kind of scare me in this kind of situation. The number one I'll start with is in the East. I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins team that has been winning Stanley Cups and going to the Stanley Cup finals for the last 10 years. And I think that uh, that core group of Latang, Crosby, Malkin, those guys have been so worn out by the longevity of their seasons. I think that's why they've kind of fallen off for the last couple of seasons. But I look at a player like Gino, for example, who's well-rested, and he's going to be so, so pumped. And let's not forget, the Pittsburgh Penguins have two of the top three to four players in the National Hockey League on their team and top five defensemen in Crystal Tang. If Murray can get hot like he did throughout their back-to-back runs in 16 and 17, the Pittsburgh Penguins do scare me. I've, I've seen Evgeny Malkin firsthand how he can single-handedly take over a game, and I think he's got that power. So that's team number one that would be the Cat in the East. The Cat in the West, uh, I don't think a lot of people would agree with me here, but they do make me nervous for some crazy weird reason. I think it's the coach, but the Nashville Predators. I think they're a team uh, before the break, not that I can look too much into how teams were trending before the break. God, it seems like 13 years ago before we stopped. But the Nashville Predators, remember, guys, they had clawed themselves back into a playoff spot uh, with the, the resurgence of John Hines, their head coach, they got from the Jersey Devils, and they were starting to get some really good traction. Um, don't forget, Pecorino is a goal tennis league that, again, like Carey Price, he can steal games. He's got that potential. He's got the hardware to prove it. So if you get the goal tending and this team can get fired up and get on the track, like I think John Hines can do, 
uh, who coached me in the minors, and he is certainly capable of turning a team and turning the season around. Uh, look out for the Nashville Predators. They could be a team that could kind of jump up and nip you on the heel. Everyone knows about Colorado. Everyone's expecting a lot from Vegas. But uh, no one's saying much about the Nashville Predators. I think there's some magic there going down, going down south. Finally, Joey Vitale, 4th of July barbecue. I need an app, I need a main dish, and I need a side. Oof. Oof. You know, uh, first, let me, let me start out with this. Uh, I love 4th of July. I love the food. But I'm not a big fan of the burger, Michelle and Randy. I, I think especially when you get to a social gathering with friends and family, uh, Michelle, I don't know, like, you're a female. It's kind of hard to eat a burger and socialize with people, is it not? I actually think it's easier, Joey, because you can take a bite, then you're done, put it down. You can talk to people for a while and then revisit it, and it's still just as good. But have you ever taken a bite of a cheeseburger and something's not been left on your face? That's my question. Well, I think, Joey, yes, there is a little mustard or ketchup happening there. But if your other option is ribs, I think that if we're talking oh. cleanliness, I might go with the burger option. Suicide. Yeah, that ribs, that's the one That's the one entree. I never recommend to people on the first date. It's got to be ribs. Cheeseburgers are close second. But with that out of the way, uh, that's my main. I think you got to go with the hot dog. It's clean. It's simple. Um, it's outdoorsy. You know, you're, you're dealing with sweaty kids. You're sweaty. The mosquitoes are out. Bugs are flying. Um, you know, one, one of my big bugaboos, too, guys, one of the big hiccup, uh, hiccups I, I hate is um, when you go to a 4th of July and there's a big table and they got, like, potato salad and coleslaw, and it's all outside, and there's flies just buzzing everywhere. I mean, come on. Like, let's, let's, let's figure it out. Let's get it together. Either move this thing inside, or we got to figure out a way, better way to serve coleslaw, which I love, especially on my brisket sandwich. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of any food on a toothpick on 4th of July mm. because it's, it's clean. It's simple. I had these bacon and blue cheese-wrapped dates mm. last year, and I probably had about four dozen of them. Before the night was over. And again, you pick it up with a toothpick, you slam it down, one bite, one kill, and you throw the toothpick away. You're clean. It's not an overwhelming bite. There's no bugs around them. So uh, I don't know if I quite answered your question there, Randy. I kind of went a little bit of a different direction with everything, but um, you know, you can't go wrong. Fireworks, uh, one of my favorite days of the year, without question. My favorite picture my wife and I get every single year. We have a parade around Kirkwood. And it, it, it finishes off at this home. And every year, this home provides popsicles to all the kids. And it's funny because that home was sold a couple of years ago to some of my friends. And in the contract for this house, you have to provide popsicles for the Kirkwood Parade. That's awesome. You, you, can't, you, can't buy, you cannot buy the house if you don't provide the popsicles. So that's a parade that's happening. And it looks like it's happening in this year. My favorite picture of the year is when the kids do the parade, they're sweaty, they've got their bicycles, they're leaking, they're sticky, and they got their popsicles right in front of the house. And to me, that's the 4th of July is about. It's that chaos, it's the, it's the craziness, the slimy kids. I think we lost Joey. Oh, there he is. There he is. Joey, you're the best. Have a great 4th. Thank you, sir. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. Be safe. You too. See you later. That's the great Joy Vitale here on 101 ESPN. Joy brought up a great point. A lot of great points. We had ice cream as our $1 dessert option. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it. Should have been popsicles. For me, I'm going to leave it, but it should have been there as an option for somebody. Popsicles are very much Americana 4th of July. Yeah, they are. Red, white, and blue ones. For sure. Now, here's one of the plays, too, is just go to the Kirkwood Parade and get the popsicles free. Oh, Randy, veteran move. <laughs>
That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And Scoops with Danny Mac is coming up. Dan McLaughlin is here in studio and will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. Noted dog. Actually, Golden Retriever Aficionado. Uh, Dan McLaughlin is with us in studio getting ready for scoops with Danny Mac as we approach the 4th of July weekend here on 101 ESPN. Yes, sir. Got You're wearing off. your U.S. flag cap, and I'm wearing my U.S. flag shirt. Patriotic. Yes, we are. Patriotic. I'm wearing a jean jacket. That's kind of American. It Patriotic. Is, yeah. There you go. And, and caring kinda... because it says, doesn't it say, please, is that your recycle one? No, this oh. one has my name on it. Oh, okay. What's, personalized. It's the movie I'm thinking of with, uh, this is so bad. It should be just, oh, Grease. I'm thinking Grease oh, right now. but that's a leather jacket, right? Isn't mm-hmm. it leather and yeah. a little jean jacket, though, too? It's just a cool jacket with a pop collar. We'll, we'll okay. cut that. All right, yeah. That was a great movie. Grease 2, underrated. Michelle Pfeiffer killed it in Grease 2. Now I'm thinking Pulp Fiction, because I'm thinking Travolta. Pulp Fiction is that's awesome. A little different sides of the spectrum there. A little but different. Whatever. You know what they call a quarter pounder in France? <laughs> Quarter pounder. <laughs> no. Royale. Cheese. <Now. laughs> Why? Metric system. <laughs> Thinking of Pulp Fiction, then it makes me think of like watching the Central West End the other night. Oh. Mm-hmm. What's the the last scene with uh in the in you know, watching in the restaurant? I love you. Um what's the honey honey bubby? Or <laughs> Honey, honey bunny. bunny. Honey yeah. bunny. <laughs> Love you, honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm just going from one thing to the next. Whatever. So, yeah. The, Great talk that, radio just yeah, gets me in trouble uh, every day. You know? a, that, there were a lot of memes about how it was a Tarantino movie. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. We have Wonderful. we have single guys with cats mad at us. Yeah. Why? Uh, I read a report. I have a cat, but I'm not single. Well. I got Popo. And that's you got your two cat. dogs. Yeah, nice. Popo. Yeah, so you've and got... Th- three dogs. Three dogs, okay. Yeah, So you- and four kids. Yeah, so it's Five Junior, Doug, me. and then who's the other one? Uh, Hank. Hank, that's Hank. right. Yeah, Hank. I forgot is, about Hank. We had to take Hank into the vet the other day. He's, he put on some quarantine uh, weight. We were we wondered <laughs> about Hank. We were like, man, we are saying the other day, Hank's getting kind of big. He's a big one. Like, he's mm-hmm. a big dude. He hadn't been moving a lot lately. <laughs> he just kind of hangs out. And we're like, God, he's gotten kind of big. Well... He did. A little quarantine weight on old Hank. How, how many pounds? I think it was eight. Ooh. That's big for a dog. <laughs> yeah, a little husky. Yeah. yeah, he got, we were having trouble putting a collar on him the other day. We got one, Tucker, who was my favorite golden of all time. And when he came to us, he had been uh, surrendered by a family. It was during the economic crash of 08, 09. And he was surrendered. And the family had given him to a family that had never had a dog before. They, they were just boarding him. Mm-hmm. And they basically fed him spaghetti and meatballs every night. Wow. When we got Tucker, he weighed 105 pounds. And Are he they had, fans of the movie Seven? <laughs> they might Sorry. have been. I don't All know. Right. Uh, but he had one of those, um, those <laughs> clasp collars on. 
and they had never taken it off, and he, he had gotten so big that... Started to wear on the... No, it, it, it was binding into his skin, so I had to go to the vet that night, and had, they had to cut That's the terrible. collar off. It was terrible. And then we got... He, he got down to 90. He was kind of barrel-shaped. He was awesome. Uh, but 90 was about his... He, he carried his weight really well, kind of like Dan Dierdorf. He just carried the weight really well. Sure, Dan appreciates that. Dan, Dan, I would have never dreamed when he was three hundred pounds. I would have never dreamed that he weighed three hundred pounds. My my brother is a big dude. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised of his weight, but he played Division One football. Could have mm-hmm. played pro. Big dude. Yeah, some you people know. are, and pe- some people just carry it very well. Yeah, uh, and some people are like Orlando Pace. You'd never think that Orlando is three ten, three fifteen. Not the way he moved too. Right. Mm-mm. Athlete, man. Yeah. Some people just, they have the ability to carry more weight than others. And that's the way Tucker was. It's kind of like a wedding ring. You know, you you get a, mine is now, I had to get mine. Mine comes off, but for a while, man, I was (laughs) struggling to get that baby. uh, You're going to need a stick of butter and some oil and. You remember when I fell off the, uh, you remember when I fell off the ladder? Yeah. Uh, my fingers swelled up so much and so fast that when I get under, got into the hospital, they had to cut my wedding ring off. Did they really? Yeah. Because w- I would have lost a finger if they wouldn't have cut it off. So did you get a new one or did you have that? got a new one about 10 years later. 10 years later. <laughs> Only took 10 years. Did yeah. Joan finally say, you are getting a wedding ring? She never, she, she's just like uh, Michelle with her dad. That's, uh, they ne- she never knew what to buy me. So she said, I'm just going to get you a new ring. Yeah. I said, that's cool. That's, so we went and picked one out. Well, I had a I had a lady that um, used to help me at at the old TWA. She was so so sweet to me, and I I think I lost my wedding ring. Truly lost it. Not oh, you lost it. No, I truly <laughs> lost it. And she was afraid to call me because she said, "What happened to you and Libby?" And I'm so sorry oh, no. for you guys. I said, "No, no, Carol, it's okay. I I just misplaced my ring or fell off or something. I don't know." But yeah, that's that's a problem because she would watch the. She was a diehard Cardinal fan. I wasn't wearing my ring, and and then Libby made me put the ring back on. I yeah, said, good. "Trust me. You, look at me. You don't have anything to worry about. For God's sakes, <laughs> not a problem here." So you got a new one. I did. Did yeah. she pick it or did you? Uh, she picked it and just said, you, you better put this thing on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care how big it is, small it is. If it's too small, you better find a way to put that thing on. I've been there. I think I have, I'm not sure. I think these are diamonds in mine. I'm not positive. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Now this thing's like 40 bucks. That's the way, that's the play right there. Just throw it on and who cares. That way the women at TWA aren't speculating. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No more. A lot of guys now, they get the the one that's kind of the rubber, Uh you know, the rubberized thing. So they can wear it if they work out and stuff. Yeah, it's more comfortable and Mm -hmm. yeah, all good. Some people get them tattooed. I've seen that too. Yeah. 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 Not a good move, I don't think. Not if you're, there's a chance that you could be in the 50%. Well, life comes at you fast, Randy. It really does. We had a, uh, one of the great things, one of the funniest lines ever, um, and the guys in the truck are always in my ear. Mm-hmm. They can constantly, they always have a button where they can talk to me. And if people really could hear what happens in my ear, they would be like, are you kidding me? Like most people think that I'm just, I have a headset and I just go, right? They are constantly, there is joke after joke after joke in my, I mean, the entire game. And so there was a, a ball that was pulled down the third baseline and the tarp at the old Bush Stadium was covered by Southwest Airlines. And it was a fair ball, okay? And there was a ball boy down there, and he picked it up. And, every, and it was a cardinal that hit it. 
And so, it, and it got away from the left fielder. It would have turned into a triple, and the place is going nuts. And all I hear in my ear from a guy that never said anything in our truck, never, and all I hear is, want to get away? <laughs> That's all I hear. It was the line of the night. It was perfect. And I used it on the air. It was so funny. And I think Southwest even used it like in a spot or something. It oh was so gosh. funny. It was perfect. That's fantastic. It was funny. How many, now that, that was somebody who didn't say much. How many people on a consistent basis, whether via text or oh my goodness. via the, the people down in the truck are trying to get you to laugh on a regular basis? Hundreds. I would think so. Literally hundreds. I'm trying. I know that. Well, when text messages became prevalent then with phones, that's, that was a game changer. So to the point that I literally, are, I had to turn my phone down, like flip it over mm-hmm. or just turn it off to concentrate because right. some of the stuff was just outrageous. And then if I thought I screwed up something, then I would go, uh-oh, I better turn my phone back over and say... And look at yeah. what did, what did I say? Right. Oh my God, did I screw up? And am I going to get fired? I mean, do mm-hmm. that all the time. Seriously, so when I send Dan texts during games, they're uh, they're low key and uh, hopefully, oh, they're great. Uh, hopefully they're human. But like, if John Costello has your number, oh, it's over. Yeah, he's hilarious, and everything he sends me, I mean, a hundred percent, you cannot use. Exactly. I would say the same for Bruce Suter. That's what I've heard. Yeah, BT gets a lot of those from oh, yeah. Suter, too. Suter's awesome. Hilarious. None of it can be used. Some of it is good baseball stuff, though. Like, he's like, that. that is the interesting part of former players that will text you and say, hey, do you see him pulling off, or do you see this, or do you see that? That is very That's helpful. Great, yeah. Th- those guys are incredibly helpful. That th- That is the great part of... Um, texting too is that we probably have more drop-ins of reading copy, um, and so my my head is down half the time reading the the copy, like the sheets mm-hmm. and the things that, or you know things that are not on your screen at home that everybody thinks I'm just staring exactly at what you're seeing a hundred percent the whole time what you're looking at. I'm not. I'm watching the field. I don't really even use the monitors. I use the monitor a little bit to reference things. But most of the time, I'm looking at the field or I'm reading copies. So I don't see what you're seeing. And these guys and gals are seeing stuff that I don't see. So that I just I look at my phone sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you, you picked up something I didn't see. I know Larry Walker watches all the time, right? All the time. 100% he's always watching Cardinal games. He watches more Cardinal games than maybe anybody. Wow. And, he's and always picking up stuff. Another guy I know that uh, texts you a lot, people might, might not realize how big a Cardinal fan he is, is Tom Hankey. Oh, Tom Hankey's all the time. I, the one of the neatest things that I get nonstop is Bob Gibson. That's awesome. Bob Gibson texts me all the time. How cool! I mean, Bob Doesn't Gibson is awesome. so he texts me all the time. Tom Hankey is watching all the time. Um, so many of the '80s Cardinals that are here. Mm-hmm. They there is a huge portion of the '80s Cardinals that are here. They. They are texting. I'm finding out the next wave of guys are the early 2000s and the 2006 Cardinals. Right. Those guys are now doing it. The 2011 Cardinals are doing it. Some of the 11 Cardinals that are just recently retired are, you know, watching and, you know. That's cool. What you find, and I don't know if you guys find this too, is um, when they played, and Dunk is a great example, when they played, they were so intense um, of just, staying in the league and and doing their job 
not that they were being a jerk to you, but they were just so like focused on their job. It's their job. It's and, what they do. And they were in the moment. In the moment. And I respect that totally. But then when they got out, the pressure was off and they became, for lack of a better term, a human being again. You know, yeah. like they just, hey, I'm not worried about like Dunk. I always say this. Dunk came up to me when we were working together um, and he said, Dan, I never meant to be a jerk to you. I liked you a lot. He said, I literally was worried about catching a fly ball. Mm. He mm-hmm. said, I was worried about catching a fly ball. We were too. And we all were. And we could say that. I actually said that to him. I go, you're not the only one. And he would laugh. But he said, I was just, I just, I couldn't catch a fly ball. I was just worried about it. He said, my paranoia, my anxiety, you know, all those things that went into it. I was just trying to do my job. And it wasn't that I didn't want to talk. He said, I just was so worried about catching a fly ball, you know. And you, and, and Chris Carpenter, of all things, went through all that anxiety. And we all sit there and go, Chris Carpenter? I mean, yeah. you, were, you were a stud, right? Well, you don't think about it as a fan, but those guys go through all those things and the anxiety of being a pro athlete. It's very, very tough. And um, so then they get out of the game and they become kind of back into normal society, if you will. And even the best guys, Michelle and I were, and you've told us about McGuire as the hitting coach, but we were stunned at how chatty and how fun and how happy he is. Yeah. You become a human being again. Yeah. The pressure's off and then you talk and then you watch the game as a fan with, with this great insight that normal fans don't have. And then they text you and give you trouble, and then they say, hey, by the way, you're looking at this, and you get mm-hmm. that stuff all that's the time. It's, a, it's really cool. We're so. looking forward to Scoops with Danny Mac. So that's your way of saying I want to get off the air and uh, well, enjoy I, I my weekend. I want to give weekend. you a complete hour to have a show. And by the way, that's the, uh, the, the those are the prices that we're paying for our fantasy uh, barbecue draft. So I don't understand this thing. Okay, so the, the, the cost of, for example, ribs. Michelle took ribs for $5. So what is this? We only have 15 bucks to spend. 15 bucks to spend on each of those. And popsicles would be a dollar and so would ice cream. So what happens? So if you... So we, we each bought a meal during the show. You have to, you have to build fi- your ideal barbecue. And we took turns. For 15 bucks. Okay. All right. So well, I just want to know what you'd take first. Oh, ribs. Okay. That's what Michelle took. My she had the first pick and she took ribs too. Yeah. And then you got to go uh, baked beans. Love baked beans. And then what about, there's no iced tea here? We have lemonade. Lemonade. Well, then, work. that's terrible. You got to have iced tea. <laughs> iced tea, iced tea for combo. Barbecue. You got to have iced tea. Yeah. Michelle took beer. I did. Shocking. I took lemonade. I was thinking of my guests. Yeah, shocking. Mm-hmm. And then I go a little watermelon to finish watermelon. it off. Great. I, I regret not taking watermelon, I but I got a pretty good setup anyway. I'm going to talk hockey. And little baseball and NBA and all kinds of stuff. Love it. All right. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. That's going to be great. Tanner Hendrickson. Have a great weekend, guys. You too. Tanner Tanner doing a great job in his first full week as the uh, producer engineer of this fine program. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Michelle, great job as always. Thanks, Randy. Have a great uh, great Fourth of July weekend. You too. And uh, we will see you on Monday. Dan McLaughlin coming up talking some blues hockey. baby. And for all of us... Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the best of tomorrow. And oh, wow. until I went really late. Yeah, but Sorry. we had fun, didn't we? Yes, we did. So uh, until tomorrow morning, or not? Well, yeah, you'll hear us tomorrow at seven. <laughs> uh, have a great day, everybody. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred and one ESPN.